What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I'm Christine Lisi. Here's what's happening on this day before the 2020 season begins. The Dodgers are finalizing a mega ex extension with one of the best all-around players in baseball. 13 years, more than $380 million from L.A. for star outfielder Mookie Betts reports ESPN's Jeff Hassan. This is a huge, huge number. And getting 12 new years tacked on top of his deal this year at more than $380 million total is a huge win for Mookie Betts and a huge win honestly for the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's in the Dodgers play the Giants on opening night tomorrow 10 Eastern ESPN TV. The NFL confirmed if fans are allowed at games this season they must wear masks amid the coronavirus pandemic. The league's leaving it up to teams to make the decision on fans based on local mandates. CNN is reporting Jets owner Woody Johnson was subject to a State Department investigation following allegations he made racist and sexist comments while serving as an ambassador to the United Kingdom. Asked by CNN about the allegations, Johnson did not deny them. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Presented by Progressive Insurance, and all guests are going to appear via the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, and we have got a jam-packed show for you this afternoon. We start with the news that is coming out of Los Angeles that you just heard moments ago. Time for some Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Different accounts, different reports, but it all suggests that it is a minimum of 12 years and $350 million on the extension for Mookie Betts with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He hasn't played a game for them as of yet. And Katie, I, I get where this is a massive win for Mookie Betts. Could be 13 years and 380. Given the current climate, if you're Mookie Betts, why not uh, go ahead and make the decision to stay put and to get as long of a deal as you can for as much money as you can, uh, given... We don't know what's going to transpire here in the next few years. We don't know how things might change. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Justin Kinner, Kip Nash. With you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. A little bit of a bumpy start there, but we're back on the tracks. That's all that matters. Yes, indeed. We're here. We're here. 
All right, plenty to get into here today. In fact, yesterday we talked about the 37-page proposal that the uh, Ohio High School Coaches uh, Football Coaches Association had proposed uh, the return to play uh, proposal. Again, just a proposal, um, but a lot of interesting stuff in there. And again, there's just so many questions to be answered. And I figured rather than hearing us go back and forth about what we think, uh, we're going to bring on a local athletic director, Rob Demet with Centerville, the athletic director for the Elks. He's going to join us coming up at 4 o'clock. He'll be calling in, excited to chat with him just to get a local athletic director's perspective uh, as far is kind of what they're doing behind the scenes. Because it's easy for me and Kevin and whoever to say, well, here's what I think they need to be doing. Here's what they should be doing. Uh, but as we've learned throughout all this is sometimes when we give our opinions, it's not based on what they should be doing. It's what they have, you know, what resources are in front of them to do their best. And uh, we're going to get more clear answers out of uh, Rob Demet coming up here just under an hour, top of the hour, 4 o'clock, coming up around the uh, corner. We'll have top headlines. Uh, we'll hear from Keith Byers coming up. Around the corner as well, he was asked an interesting question during his show earlier this afternoon about if he was playing at Ohio State this year and if and if college football delayed the start to the season, how far back would is too far back uh, in terms of at what point do the star players say, you know what, this just isn't worth it? This just isn't worth it. You know, how far back is too far back to start a college football season for stars like Justin Fields at Ohio State and Trevor Lawrence at Clemson? Um, what is the, the cutoff date that those two type of stars are looking at saying, you know what? This is just way too much. Us starting to work out, stopping to work out, starting to work out and stopping, you know, maybe get two weeks into a season and stop. I mean, they're, they're, that's a lot of wear and tear. As weird as that sounds, the stopping and starting as far as that's concerned, I mean, sure, they can continue working out and stay in shape, and trust me, they are. Um, but it's just one of those football, such a physical collision sport that it's one of those where you just have, you, you got to be even extra cautious if you are stars that have millions of dollars on the line like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So we'll get to all of that coming up uh, around the corner because Byers had a very interesting take that I think you'll be interested in as well. Last night, the Reds and the Tigers went head-to-head. The Reds come out on top in exhibition play. Opening day coming up on Friday. Technically opening day tomorrow, but the Reds opening night will be on Friday uh, where they'll take on uh, the Tigers once again. In fact, we will have game two of, exhibi- of the exhibition series between the Reds and Tigers coming up tonight, uh, and that'll be immediately following this show. In fact, we'll end the show about 20 minutes early today uh, as we hand it off to the, the Reds on Radio Network, uh, where they will, of course, take over from there. I spoke with Tommy Thrall today, uh, voice of the Reds. He's going to be on with us tomorrow on 1410 Wing Live. Um, so, Kev, last night, listening to the radio broadcast, they they pumped in the crowd noise. Remember I kept saying on radio, how weird is that going to sound? <laughs> uh, listening to a, radio, a baseball game on the radio because there's a lot of pauses. There's a lot of stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, they just they had a, a piped-in crowd noise. So on a home run, the crowd never got hyped. <laughs> but you just heard this very, like, you know, the hush of the crowd, basically. I like it. I don't like it on TV. I think radio is more theater of the mind, and I yeah. think that you don't notice it as much. You notice it because it's what you're used to hearing during a game. When you're watching a game, although you may be used to hearing it during a game that you're watching, your eyes are going it's going to feel like your eyes are playing tricks on you. For those of you who watched it on the MLB network last night, um, it was I didn't like it. I didn't like watching the game with the piped in crowd noise through the broadcast again. They used the simulcasted, simulcasted Reds broad, uh, radio broadcast over the TV feed. I don't like it because your brain is uh, wa- you're watching the game and your brain is clearly telling you, hey, there's no one there, but mm-hmm. yet there's this this hush of the crowd throughout the ballpark. No, uh, on radio it worked out fine. I didn't like it on the TV side of things. 
I didn't catch any of it. I was busy, but I'll definitely be tuned in once the regular season tips tips off. <laughs> First pitch happens, so I'll have my answer in the next day, <laughs> basically, because we're about to get some real live sports. Yeah, that's. I mean, this is regular well, I mean, season exhibition. I don't care about regular season or not. I hear people complaining about exhibition player this and that. You got to see the stars play pretty much the entire game last night. Uh, I spoke yesterday about the importance of what Shogo Akiyama was going to mean to this roster, uh, to this Reds team in 2020, uh, and he wasted no time in making an impact. And in uh, last night's game again, went went yard. I mean, he's a leadoff hitter. I don't know how much power you're expecting from the guy, but my goodness, if he's going to be able to produce in any kind of way uh, leading off, that's going to be a plus for the Reds. And uh, we have the Reds order for you tonight against the Tigers. A little bit different than last night. I joked earlier today. I was like, oh, David Bell is in midseason form. Back-to-back games and totally different lineups in back-to-back days. But again, it's exhibition. So it is what it is. No Shogo Akiyama in the lineup tonight, though. And that is something I noticed right off the bat. All right, let's get things started here with the Justin Kinner Show. Top headlines. It's the Justin Kinner Show's Top Headlines. All right, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here, uh, bringing you the Justin Kinner Show Top Headlines. And uh, let's keep in mind that, uh, you know, we talked so much about Ryan Day and the Ohio State football program and what they do out on the recruiting trail. How about basketball? Top 30 prospect Malachi Branham committed to Ohio State uh, literally just a half hour ago, giving Chris Holtman and the Buckeyes their third ESPN 100 prospect in the 2021 class. He is the top Ohio prospect for the class of 21 and this is what I, I love seeing this more in basketball I'm not I'm not as big on football gotta land the Ohio recruits I'm in, in, in football I'm all about landing the best recruits out there mm-hmm. basketball the same thing but Ohio you know right now with Ohio State with, with what Chris Holtman's doing very similar to what Thad Mata did what I loved about what Thad Mata did is he won with top players but top Ohio players with the Aaron Crafts with the John Deeblers with the William Bufords with the Solingers with those guys that's what I loved about the job that 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 Mata did sure there was other players outside of the state of Ohio but my point is is that when you see those final four teams and the team that made it to the national championship game all is filled with Ohio kids, you know, the Jamar Butlers and, and those guys going all the way back to the early 2000s. So it's really cool seeing Chris Holtman being able to go out and get the top prospect in the state of Ohio. Ohio State, Chris Holtman doing their best football impersonation, proving, hey, not only are we the top football program in Ohio, we're also the top basketball program in Ohio as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's from Akron. Um, you know, they already had Michi. From Cleveland and uh, who's back? By the way, he's going yeah. back to Graham. So yeah, that's good. yeah, going back to his home school. So, you know, he's ready. It's gonna be. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, we gotta wait till 2021 to see all these top prospects. But you know, Ohio State basketball looks like they're gonna be on the come up again. All right, keep in mind, too, what's also important about his decision to pick Ohio State. He picked Ohio State over Alabama, Baylor, Louisville, Missouri, Marquette, and Xavier. Uh, the Columbus, Ohio native uh, had officially visited Ohio State. Had um, He had officially visited Ohio State, but also took unofficial trips to Louisville and Xavier. Again, this is a huge get for Chris Holtman and the Buckeyes, so congratulations to the job that Holtman has done. I still don't think right, or that Gene Smith gets enough credit. I just tweeted this out a little bit ago. Gene Smith does not get enough praise for the job he did in not only replacing Urban Meyer with Ryan Day, and technically he did that later, but the job that he did replacing Thad Mata, not, I mean, Thad Mata was a fantastic college basketball coach. He was a fantastic coach for Ohio State. 
And it wasn't just that he left. It was the timing of which he left. It was slim pickings. And somehow you go and you get the Chris Holtman and honestly elevated the program like that. They've been in the NCAA tournament every year that he's been there. They would have been there last year had, you know, their this past March, I should say, you know, had there been a tournament. And they were starting to click again. They were starting mm-hmm. to get a ton of top 25 wins. They kicked ass in the non-conference. They started slow in Big Ten play. But, hey, when all but two teams in the Big Ten were expected to make the NCAA tournament, it's no wonder uh, that there was no consistent domination within that conference. No one could figure out how to dominate that conference. That's how deep it was. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, don't, I just don't think Gene Smith gets enough credit for the job he did, not just replacing one great coach, but two. Urban Meyer, Thad Mata kicked ass during their time at Ohio State. And uh, right now, Ryan Day, Chris Holtman picking up where they left off. A lot of people hold that bogus year over his head, the year of the fickle. And then we go undefeated the following season after Urban Meyer is the head coach. And we could have played Notre Dame in the national championship game. Uh, the whole bowl band situation. People hold that over his head like none other, man. Like, he wasn't to know that they were going to get a bowl ban the following season. Like, it was just one of those things, man. So, here's what it is. I think Gene Smith's a great AD, and he's obviously made some great hires and keeping the ship rolling. And that's exactly what you want. You don't want it just to be based off one coach. The coach is the reason why everything with the program is rolling. You want the whole program to be great because it's great from the top down with great leadership in the athletic department like Gene Smith. All right, how about this? So as of earlier today, it was announced, we're switching over to baseball here quickly, that, uh, you know, we know that the Blue Jays were looking for a second home as, of course, uh, Canada has has blocked um, any teams or any, you know, U.S. players from being able to go to Canada. So there's no way that any of our teams are going to be able to go and play at Toronto. Toronto now looking for a secondary home, and they thought they found that secondary home in in Pittsburgh at PNC Park. But uh, an article that just came out literally about 20 minutes ago that with the Toronto Blue Jays yet to receive approval from the state of Pennsylvania to play home games in Pittsburgh, the team is now looking at an alternative option, which would include, Kev, going to the city of each scheduled opponent and playing as the home team, sources told ESPN's Buster only on Wednesday. Yikes. So this is a nightmare situation for all Blue Jays players because keep in mind Reds players when they're at home they get to go home mm-hmm. right when they when they have home games you know at in Cincinnati like they do tonight against the Tigers second the game's done they get to go to their home in Cincinnati uh, they'll be you know when they play at Detroit and others obviously they're on the road it's no different than any other road series in any other season but with Toronto not only do you not get to play at home and get the luxury of going home after a tough game for the next three months. You're going to be traveling constantly. You will not be home. You will be constantly on the road. It's a nightmare situation. Um, but, hey, they're looking to come up with a secondary option here. This isn't good, but at the same time, you know, it's it's just the nature of the beast right now. As I've said before in the past, I don't think you stop play for a whole league because of the misfortune of one franchise or one program or what have you. We had that debate about the Big Ten and others. What if one or two programs within the Big Ten can't have a season? Does that mean the whole Big Ten doesn't move forward? No, there will be Big Ten football regardless of whether all teams or no teams can play. Uh, I shouldn't say no teams, but all teams or some teams uh, can play. And I think that's the situation here. However, I don't envy the Blue Jays players at all. This is a very unfortunate situation. To beat a road team for 60 straight games is going to be difficult, man. Uh, sleeping in a hotel for X amount of weeks is going to be difficult. Not being around your family 
for that long is gonna be difficult. It's, we're we're dealing with a whole different beast here, man. And I started thinking about that when I saw that story about you know Hawaii. There, if there is a college football season, what are they gonna do? <laughs> like, they're not just like a state, just like off in the cut. Like, they are way out there. Like when they normally do road games, like they normally are scheduled back-to-back road games. When they leave the Big Island, they come to the mainland and they just stay basically for like two weeks and then go back when they have a home game. So just imagine all the things that Hawaii is doing. That's tenfold about what the Blue Jays are about to do. Yeah, going to be interesting how that pans out, and they still could end up in Pittsburgh. Um, but here's the deal: even I mean, like that's the thing. Even if they are able to play other home games at PNC Park, the reality is, is they are still on a three-month road trip. Right. Even if they can get, I mean, I think the most ideal secondary situation is PNC Park. That's your that's your secondary home field. That's where you end up playing for the rest of the season, as far as your home games is concerned. But you could at least set up shop in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's going to be tough to do that when you're on the road every week, regardless of if you're the home team wherever you are. Um, moving on uh, to the NBA. Keep in mind, NBA preseason games technically begin today. I mean, we're not really calling them preseason, more along the lines of exhibition play as far as that's concerned. Uh, but how about this? Russell Westbrook, after having to leave the team a few weeks ago after testing positive for the coronavirus, he clears protocol and uh, is set to practice with the Rockets. Houston Rockets guard Russell Westbrook said Wednesday that he is thankful and blessed to be able to participate in practice again after recovering from the virus. Westbrook spoke to the media before Wednesday practice, his first with the team since clearing the NBA's quarantine protocol at the league's Walt Disney World campus. He arrived in Orlando, Florida on Monday after twice testing negative. And again, that's the protocol. Once you test positive, you don't have to be quarantined for two weeks. You do have to be quarantined for a few days. You have to take multiple tests. And the only way to, to get back in the bubble is by testing negative for the virus, not once, but twice. Um, and I, You know, just to, to double check, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, regardless, I mean, look, we know players are going to test positive. And the NBA, the, the recent round of testing showed that, hey, there were zero positive tests within that round. This wasn't even done. He hasn't. He never entered the bubble and had to leave. Right. This was the proper screening process to enter the bubble. He tested positive in his initial screening to get in the bubble, and now this was the second chance for him to be able to get back in, and he did. Uh, so I think that's a good thing uh, for him, the NBA, and everything moving forward. The protocols are working. That's what the that's what the purpose of testing is for. Um, and once you test and you have your positive test, it's okay. Well, now what do you do? Mm-hmm. Those were big question marks weeks and months and, and I mean months and months ago, and now we know. Those answers and uh, the teams are executing the plan perfectly. Um, so that's that. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. It's the Justin Kinner Show top headlines. How about this? I know we'll get into this more in detail coming up around the corner, but Joey Votto last night uh, among four Reds players who knelt, who knelt, knelt, is it knelt? Can you say that? Knelt? Kneeled. Who kneeled? Kneeled. Oh, kneeled. I'm going to say knelt. <laughs> I'm going to say it with confidence because that's where I was going with that. Until I was like, wait, that don't sound right. So Joey Votto, along with Amir Garrett, Philip Irvin, and Alex Blandino, all knelt. Hey, it is knelt. It's in the article. Really? Knelt. Yes, bite me. <laughs> Kenner's a smart one. Ha-ha. <laughs> all right. So all four of them knelt during the national anthem before Tuesday's exhibition game against the Detroit Tigers at Great American Ballpark. Uh, ballpark. The four players... Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Some 
Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. Skinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. How about the Dodgers finalizing a humongous 13-year extension? 13th reason that they pulled the deal for Trevor Bauer last year was to be able to have him on board for this season. Now, um, with that being said, the Reds were in a situation just like the Dodgers where they were really freaking out about the idea of there being no season, mainly because... Man, they gave up a lot to get those players, but with service time counting towards the 2020 season, whether there's a season or not, both of those clubs really could have been heavily impacted. Uh, But the Dodgers wasted no time in getting ink on the deal as far as getting Mookie Betts signed to a long-term deal. $13 million. Keep in mind, these are huge deals. When you look at the total value of the deals that have been signed recently, Mike Trout, $426 total million. Bryce Harper, $330 $330 million with the Nationals. Giancarlo Stanton, $325 million. Garrett Cole, uh, the only pitcher that's on this list, $324 million, of course, with the Yankees. And Manny Machado, $300 million. So the fact that you have a 13-year, $380 million plus, by the way, it does say plus, um, that is huge for the Dodgers in Major League Baseball. I do find the timing kind of odd. I do find it very interesting that out of all the times uh, to sign a huge mega deal like this, that it comes at this time, you know, you know, as the season's just a few days away, you, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, does some of that deal uh, obviously is next season. He's already paid for what's going to happen this coming up season, so there's that. But again, we're assuming that, oh, the virus will be gone by, you know, early next year and that everything will return to normal. If, what if the vaccine's not even ready till February? Keep in mind, that's when around the time that pitchers and catchers and everyone else is going to be reporting to spring training in that near future again. Uh, opening day was supposed to be March 28th this past year. Um, so, you know, the season starts very early in the year. Who knows what is exactly going to happen as far as the future is concerned. I'm very shocked that a team, considering this year, Cav losing more than half their games no fans allowed to go to the game so there's ticket sales it's a huge loss i mean we're talking about every game that is played owners are losing money mm-hmm. um very surprised i mean the market that could do it is an la market but 380 million dollars for 13 years good for mookie bets absolutely and the happiest person in the world right now is one francisco lindor <laughs> he's just like guess who's next me. Well, he has a little bit of ways to go, but again, teams are trying to try to. If, they know, if the Indians know they're not going to resign him, trying to get a maximized return for him is obviously going to be key. And you know the Reds are going to play that way. And I don't want, like, I do not want the Reds to ever sign a player to that kind of deal. If I'm like, I'm telling you right now, the Reds rebuilt their roster into a playoff potential division-winning championship team this year by going out to get 12 to 15 million a year guys. 
You can win. You could build a World Series roster with twelve to fifteen million a year guys. You know, Castellanos, you know, Mustakis, Suarez. They got a, I mean, a steal of a deal for him when they signed him to that huge extension a few years ago. Um, you know, you're still paying Vado a lot of money, but I think they learned their lesson with him. Was Vado worth every dollar? I mean, if just getting to the playoffs is what you signed him to that mega contract for, then maybe not. Um, but he's at least lived up to it as far as the, the, the amount of hits and everything else that he's done. But again, you're signing players like that because you're hoping that they're going to be a part of deep playoff runs, World Series appearances, and ultimately World Series championships. And that clearly has not been the case in Cincinnati. But I would rather have... And a combination. I would rather have Eugenio Suarez, and I would rather have Eugenio Suarez, Mustakis, and Castellanos. I'd rather have that trio right there than one of Mike Trout. And I don't care how ridiculous that sounds. I mean, the depth in the Reds lineup is insane, and they're not—they're a small market team. So it's not comparing their lineup to the Angels lineup because Mike Trout's value in L.A. not as drastic towards their payroll as what the, he would be for the Reds' payroll. Mookie Betts in L.A., same thing with the Dodgers. He's not killing that payroll as much as what Mookie Betts' type of money would be in Cincinnati. And that's why I think the Reds ultimately don't get Francisco Lindor because I don't think that they're ever going to be willing to pay him anywhere close to that. And secondly, I don't think that they should. I do not think moving forward that the Reds should ever go that deep into their wallet to pay anybody. You could put a playoff roster together with 12 to 15 million a year guys. They proved it this past offseason, and there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. Invest your money in pitching. You, you live and die by your pitching. I wouldn't put money in any position player out there. Fair enough, fair enough. I don't know, man. Those big-time guys like that, they put butts in the seats. And they put you on TV all the time. And that's what it's all about. Joey Votto didn't. Joey Votto didn't put them on TV. And his ass was part of those. I mean, if you could lose with the you know, with the 225 mil guy, if you could lose with him, uh, you can sure as heck lose without him. But this is a big deal for the Dodgers. Again, they have won that division for how many straight years now? $300 million is going to keep the former American League MVP from uh, reaching free agency this winter, uh, which is, is a big deal. And good for the Dodgers for pulling the trigger on that and going out uh, and getting their guy. But 4579. Nine four six four. When you hear these types of when you hear these types of deals get done, where do you sit? What side of the fence do you sit on? As far as I would love the Reds to pull off a deal like this, or do you agree with me that no, there's no need for it? I don't think it was necessary to pay him that much. I have no clue why teams continue to do this. Name the last time it worked. The Nationals pay big, heavy dollars to go out and get Bryce Harper. Not only did he not make the playoffs, but he watched his previous team that said, you know what, you're not worth that much money to us. He watched them not just go to the playoffs while he's sitting at home. He watched them win the whole damn thing. The Nationals won the World Series, and they did it with pitching, and they didn't need his big bat in the lineup. They needed big bats, but you can get big bats at a much cheaper rate. So if you're the Dodgers, I think this is stupid. I mean, sure, that money is not as drastic towards their payroll, as I mentioned, as for some smaller market teams. But I don't understand why you need to go that route with that type of money for that type of deal. It didn't work for the uh, did not work, obviously, um, when Bryce Harper left. You know, the Nationals go on to win a World Series without him. Machado's team, how'd they do last year? I mean, and Mike Trout, best player in baseball, right? He's been to the playoffs once throughout his entire career, and that's an organization that has talent around him, and they've yet to be able to figure it out, and who knows if they figure it out in a 60-game shortened season. I, if I'm, as a Reds fan, if I ever woke up to the news that the Reds dropped any kind of serious money like that, I would probably be the only one waving the negative flag, saying, this is ridiculous, it's stupid, it's going to handicap your team moving forward, and name me a time that it's worked. Name me a time that a team dumped this kind of money into a position player and it worked. You can't. Uh, I, I mean, look, I know the, you know the Alex Rodriguez deal with the Yankees, I mean, a decade ago. 
again, that's the Yankees. Maybe it works with the Dodgers because it's a large market team. But again, this is an organization that I give them credit. They've won their division every year. They've been, you know, get, they've gotten to the World Series. They're trying to just add that extra piece to take them to that next level. And maybe that's going to be the case this coming up season. The Dodgers have power and pop in that lineup. Uh, they have that rotation. They have the pitching. You know, we'll see what they're able to do. But the Angels and the Dodgers both uh, really trying to, to prep their rosters uh, to be able to kind of go at it head-to-head. And I tell you what, I couldn't think of a more fun World Series or playoff head-to-head matchup between those two uh, than that one right there. But 457-9464, or of course you can text us using the ESPN Dayton. That is the number you could text in your thoughts on these types of contracts in Major League Baseball. I think it's 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 pointless. Uh, I don't think that, I mean, the Dodgers might be slightly better because of it, don't get me wrong. But again, do they really need to spend that much money? You could add depth. Think of how many players you could have gotten for that one price. Again, if I'm the Reds, I am totally fine with continuing to go out and get 12 to 15 million a year guys like a Moustakas, like a Castellanos, and those types of guys because that's consistency within your lineup. And it also gives you flexibility to be able to really spend money when you have to when it comes to pitching. More of the Justin Kinner Show when we come back. Now at Menard, saving money with 11% off everything. Make your car's interior look like new with Armor All Interior Protectant Spray. It helps prevent cracking, fading, and discoloration while bringing out a beautiful deep shine with a non-greasy finish. A 28-ounce bottle is 640. It's time for some straight talk. You know what covering your bases is in baseball, right? Of course, making sure you have no holes in your defense. Well, that's the kind of coverage you get with Straight Talk Wireless, and you'll pay up to 50% less than big carriers and still use their same networks. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data then 2G. And no contract, no mystery fees. Fully covering your bases for 50% less. Straight Talk Wireless, only at Walmart. Savings may vary. Check out terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, Wilman for every mile. Goodyear, more driven. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. Coming up here in 15 minutes, Rob Dement, the athletic director for Centerville. He's going to join us, and we're going to get a local athletic director's perspective on everything going on right now when it pertains to high school athletics in preparation for what we hope to be a fall athletic season uh, with the coronavirus impacting everything, every level of sports being impacted. Uh, we're going to ch- uh, chat with him about his thoughts on how they're organizing everything heading into what we hope, as I mentioned, is a fall 2020 athletics season. He joins us coming up top of the hour, 4 o'clock. Earlier today on the Keith Byers show, he was asked an interesting question regarding if he was a current... spring and we're still going to play football and I'm going to forego my senior year to to play. I'm sorry. I know I would have been coming back for a Heisman Trophy, but uh, after my junior year, I'd have had to leave. You know, we didn't have that rule available to us at that time, but if it would have, I would have left after three years. Yeah, so uh, I would think it's any kind of delays at a college football season, 
it's safe to say you probably won't see Justin Fields in the Scarlet and Gray anymore. I hate to say it, and, and him and maybe a few other twos, John Wade. Uh, I, w I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, but I hope not a long delay. But if we have any kind, but it's already a semi delay where you're losing three games, so you're only going to play nine plus the bowl. You know, hopefully, two bowl games. You know, they make the you know the college football playoffs. So nine with a possible one or maybe even two games at the most is the most you're going to see them. Yeah, but I would definitely, I'm selfish. I don't want Justin Fields to leave. I want to see him in the Scarlet and Gray one more time. But that's just the environment and the, and the atmosphere we're in. I mean, if he was your son or if it was you and your name is Justin Fields and they're delaying the college football season until the spring or something like that, do you play and pass up a possible payday. I mean, on the low end, Justin Fields will probably get $30 million on his first contract. You know, probably four or five year deal worth at least $30 million. Would you put that off another year? <laughs> no. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. So he would he would have to leave, and I would do the same, and I won't fault him uh, if that happens. But look at the quarterbacks Ohio State's you know, uh, have waited in the wings. They signed two top-flight uh, quarterbacks. Yes, we only know them from high school, but that would, um, so they wouldn't be all mad about Justin Fields leaving. Uh, so we'll see how it works out. You know, I'm hopefully we have a college football season. We won't have to answer that question. And, but like I said at the beginning of my show, wear your mask. Wear your mask so that, you know, we can, you know, flatten this curve and we can have you know, quite a few, as many people as possible in Ohio State and cheering on the Buckeyes. You know, that's what we want to see. Uh, now, if you, now, the other part of that question, say if I was a player today and there's no fans in Ohio Stadium, you know, would I still be wanting to play and all that stuff? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I, you know, I, I would do it because, you know, I'm playing for the, uh, the, the school, I'm playing for myself, playing for my family, and amongst other things. Uh, but it would feel like a practice. I mean, when I was at Ohio State, we had some practices in Ohio Stadium, <laughs> so it wouldn't. It, it, it's not totally, you know, foreign to me what that would feel like and what it would sound like. Totally different. And uh, I remember one practice uh, we had in there. I still tease uh, my former teammate about it all the time. We were working a two-minute offense, and tight end John Frank had called a ball near the sideline, and instead of getting out of bounds, you know, so we can, you know, st stop the clock, he tried to break a few tackles and then get out of bounds, and he got tackled in bounds, and the clock kept running. Earl Bruce was probably about 50 yards away, and Earl Bruce started blowing his whistle, started screaming <laughs> at John Frank as he was running across the field. He starts yelling, dumb, dumb, dumb. Now, John Frank was pre-med student. He's a doctor now. You know, uh, so he's not really dumb. Not really he's dumb. Not he's almost a four points too, like a three point eight nine grade point average. Earl Bruce is running across the field, hollering, "Dumb, dumb, dumb! That's a smart guy acting dumb." <laughs> Get out of bounds! <laughs> I was man, we were rolling. Like, well, that's a smart guy acting dumb. Okay, John, get out of bounds next time. You, you don't want to feel the, the wrath of Coach Bruce. So that that was hilarious, and I've never forgotten that. Me and John, you know, we laugh about it, you know, from time to time. So, and it, that was practice in Ohio Stadium, and it was echoes. So when you hear Earl Bruce yelling, run across the field, imagine that being a game with, you know, with, with opponents. 
Ohio Stadium will be different this fall if there's not 100,000 people in there. I think it was uh, Steve Adams with the Thunder. He said that he believes that there's going to be that technicals in the NBA games when they tip off next week or even the preseason games now, that officials are going to be calling way more technicals than you've ever seen. And it's not because they're calling the game differently. It's because they are going to be hearing more things than they've ever heard before. Oh, yes. Imagine how loud those arenas are. <laughs> the referees aren't picking up on every curse word that's being said about them after every single call. So the things you say under your breath won't necessarily yeah, be under your breath. on the sideline, the players on the floor of the bench, uh, that, that could be an interesting uh, dilemma, too. The officials might have to kind of check that a little bit just to say okay we're going to be hearing things that we normally don't hear what do you do with that do you still tee them up or what but those could be that's another impact of that of uh, no, yeah. no crowd noise yeah well. imagine in a basketball game you know they throw the ball near your bench and you start hard to shoot it miss it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know just miss, calling miss it like you're yeah, trying to get them to flinch on your sideline though it's that's, that's gonna be different yeah, last night, and I know you, you get back to your question of the day, but the we talked about the other day, I threw out that with all these smaller non-conference programs or conferences opting to go play in the spring, my thinking is, is really the only reasons that you're seeing the Power 5 teams really need to get a season in is yes, because of money, two, because a lot of star players would opt out and not play in the spring, and three, the college football playoff, because that committee's come out and said they're not budging, that the dates are set, those are the that's the college football playoff. If you're a non-Power 5 conference I would I would pick to go play in the spring. I mean, what are you playing for in the fall anyways? You give yourself a better chance to maybe have fans at your games anyways. I, I get why the Power 5 conferences are being, you know, kind of bullheaded a little bit about playing. But if I'm a non-Power 5 school, what are you really playing for? If there's going to be no bowl games this year, what are you really playing for in the fall? Just if I'm the MAC and others, play in the spring, play for a MAC champion, play for a conference champion, knowing you don't have bowl games, and you at least give yourself a chance to have fans at your games. I, you're playing for nothing if you're the Mac and others if you kick off in the fall with all the other noise. Ooh, yeah, I don't know about that, though. You're saying the Mac and others. How many Mac draft picks do we have every year in the top two to three rounds? Oh, plenty. What I saw, it, someone it, tweeted out yesterday that 30% of the active NFL players were undrafted free agents last year. Yeah, I mean, and Carson Wentz from big, at North you know, Dakota State. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to... You, you for know, one year though, for once, I, uh, well, I but mean, it depends I, on which year it would be for the, that particular player. That's fair. I mean, you know, it's a it's a whole lot of non-power five, you know, players in NFL have been very impactful. So it might even help college football because well, less that's if you're an underclassman, if yeah. you're a freshman or a sophomore, or maybe a junior that you're definitely not coming out. It will help them. So that that perspective, it will help more than hurt more. So if you're that guy on the on the bubble. You're going to wait for the NFL draft, and you don't have any more film because you're going to go your know, last year's film. You know, I, I I get that, but then that's a short turnaround season. Also, you're going to finish sometime in April or May, and then come right back again in August. You know, for the upcoming season. As a fan, I would love it though. Let the Power Five yes. do their thing in the fall. NFL wraps up by December. And see, the Power Five can't do it <laughs> because there's no Heisman Trophy if you go if you don't play in the fall. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, so you do you miss out on a whole lot of major awards? I mean, say for example, I know it's not going to happen, but the whole Big Ten conference said we're going to play in the fall, so you have no national championship money, no bowl game money, just regular season money, and no major awards. You know, because conferences love those major awards. Also, they make your conference look good. You know, we got some Blendikoff winners, Thorpe winners, Remington Heisman's, woo woo woo. The list goes on and on, and now all of a sudden you won't have that. Yeah, and I can you pick a Heisman Trophy even after nine games? You know, will you or will they wait 
until after the bowl season this year if you're the Heisman Trophy committee. You know, that way you've seen at least 10 to 11 games, double-digit games to make your decision, you know, on, on who's the, the real Heisman Trophy winner because you've only played teams in your conference. So, I, I don't, you know, so th those kind of awards, you know, they go down in history. <laughs> and, you know, and... Uh, do you have a you know legitimate opportunity to win that? We're already talking about in baseball. How who's going to be the Cy Young Award winner in 60, 60 games? You know, with you won five games out of sixty, you're going to win this year's Cy Young Award, or you're a base you're a hitter and man, you may have hit four hundred for sixty games. So we're going to say, man, you know you hit four hundred. You know how hard it is to hit four hundred? Yeah, so a lot of players have hit four hundred for sixty games. But 162, that's really, really hard. <laughs> and so, or do they automatically get, you know, everybody's, you know, statues should get to get an asterisk next to it, or you're not going to count, or you're going to just say, in a short season, short season, this particular player, you know, was a Cy Young Award winner, was a total league MVP, or we're just not going to have those. That's a question for Major League Baseball. You know, the answer for, you know, possibly college football. If you don't at least get, you know, 10 games out, you don't have to add a Heisman ceremony in December. You could push that back, you know, January to after the bowl season. That way you have more of an opportunity, you know, to see the best players, you know, perform and then come up, you know, with your, uh, your selection. Because in the ACC... Clemson, they have uh, Trevor Lawrence coming back. How much competition is Clemson going to see in their conference only? <laughs> they don't have not much. Not much, and he's going to be one of the front runners for the Heisman Trophy. Whereas uh, I think it's safe to say Ohio State is going to play a tougher conference schedule than Clemson. You know, Ohio State's got to see Michigan. They're going to have to see uh, Penn State, Michigan State, and. He's going to have to, you know, uh, come up between um, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Or definitely the two clear-cut frontrunners among somebody else who's going to come, you know, out of the darkness to have a legitimate chance. So, And you want the, 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 the award, you know, to mean something and, and to stand up over the test of time. So I would be an advocate to, to push the ceremony back to see as much football as I can see, you know, to, before I made that decision. Um, and what if you're a good player and your team doesn't win, so you only get a chance to play in your conference championship game? It's another game you missed out on. So try to see as much body of work, you know, as you can. Getting to work is a little different right now. Your new commute may be to the kitchen, or the couch, or the basement. If your commute has changed, you could be saving money on car insurance. With pay-per-mile car insurance from Allstate, you get the same reliable coverage you'd expect but only pay for the miles you drive. Drive less, save more with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call an agent for a quote. Price also includes a daily rate, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and its affiliates. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're for every mile. Goodyear. More driven. 
for streaming, creating, gaming, and more. Power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional cyber savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems. Redefining what's possible with 10th Gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top brand electronics and accessories. Plus, enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 800 by dell That's 800 by dell Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're ready for every mile. Goodyear. More driven. Go live here on ESPN Dayton. Hour two of the Justin Kinner Show. I am back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, hanging out with you here on a Wednesday. Tomorrow is opening day, but we'll wrap up the Reds' two-game exhibition series with the Tigers. Tonight, 6-10, the first pitch. And, uh, of course, you can catch it all right here on Dayton's Home of the Reds, 1410 ESPN Radio. How about last night? That was pretty fun. It was weird watching uh, games with no fans in the stands. If you listen to the game on the radio, you heard the, 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 the crowd noise being piped in. It didn't bother me on the radio side of things, but when you're watching the game and you see that there's no fans, be it you hear the echo of the piped-in crowd noise, I didn't care for it, but there's going to be so many things that are different about this upcoming season due to the pandemic, due to the coronavirus, that even if you don't like something, it's going to be easier to forgive it because you you can understand the justification and why things are the way that they are. All I know is, is not even two months ago, we did not think that we would even be watching or talking about live baseball. Last night was only exhibition play, but man, it was, it was, it, I really enjoyed driving around town, listening to the Reds on the radio, getting home, getting to watch the rest of the game. It, it just felt like summer as we're entering kind of the end of summer mode around the corner. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, had some good rain today. Cool oh things my goodness, down. Yep. My lawn was looking like sand, so I'm glad it rained. Maybe I can get my grass green before the end of the summer. See, I'm lucky. My my backyard grows like crazy. I have to mow the backyard all the time, but my front yard, for whatever reason, does not grow, which is awesome because I can <laughs> let the backyard go a little bit. It's kind of like when you're a kid. Your mom says, clean your room. Company's coming over. No one's going in there. <laughs> no one's driving by looking in our backyard. I don't need to mow the backyard. That's always my approach. But anyway, so it's uh, real quick here. Uh, Major League Baseball, how about this? Uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Health will not allow the Blue Jays to play at PNC Park. So that was an ongoing development earlier on when the show started. I said that they are right now working on a second, uh, a plan B, I should say, to where that whoever that they they were supposed to play as the home team, they would just then play at that opponent's ballpark as the home team. I feel bad for the Blue Jays players. They're, they're the only team in Major League Baseball that, for one, will not get to go home. It's going to be three month. It's a three-month road trip, basically. Um, that's unfortunate. We'll see what happens as far as that's concerned. Again, the Pennsylvania Department of Health will not allow Blue Jays uh, to play at PNC Park. This is a little different than, than those in the in the at-risk uh, population. But the bottom line is uh, when, when that occurs, um, when we find out, um, this document is really our what we use for tracing. So we, we can see everyone that's there. We can see, you know, what time everyone. And, so, and that's, that's basically what we do from that point forward. Obviously, the, the athlete that, that has um, COVID, um, you know, they're, 
we know what they're going to do. They're, they're going to obviously uh, be um, sheltered for, for a couple weeks, uh, seek medical advice from, from their physician. Uh, but for everyone else that was training with them, uh, we go through, we talk to every one of the parents individually. Uh, many of the parents will choose to go get their son or daughter tested, uh, and many will just choose to go ahead and, and do the two-week um, kind of sit, sit in place and make sure uh, that, 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 that they do not have symptoms. And, and we have been blessed that in, in all, all of our cases, you know, we've been able to make it through, and, and, and all those teams are now uh, back in training. And, uh, you know, just like with anything, once you experience it, you get better at handling it and you, and you learn from it. And uh, we've had the opportunity to do that, obviously. Senator Elks Athletic Director Rob DeMent with us here on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. Uh, Mr. DeMent, you mentioned, uh, you know, parents. And I'm curious, what are some of the, what are the, some of the more common questions or concerns that you are hearing from parents? And do you feel that you have the parents' support here? Because this could be a scary thing where, you know, you want to provide athletics for the student-athletes, and the student-athletes want to play. Some do, some maybe don't. But uh, are you? Do you feel at any point that you're caught between a rock and a hard place when it comes to trying to appease all sides? Do you feel like you have the support of your parents uh, within your student athletes within Centerville uh, to be able to move forward with sports? I do. I, I feel pretty confident in that area. We, we have great parental support. Um, I've been very um, happy with it because there's there's the two sides to this. Obviously, um, you know HIPAA plays a huge role in, in what information can be shared and what, what we are allowed to, what information we're allowed to get uh, from our parents. And, and one of the areas that, that helps us be efficient in this is for parents to be able to come forward and share information with us. And I couldn't be happier with that part of it from our parents. I think, I think they realize that, that we have to work together to make sure we keep everybody safe. Um, I would say that, that, you know, I think we're all in the same boat. We ju- we just want to provide the safest possible uh, environment that we can, understanding that that kids are, uh, you know, handle this for the most part. Obviously, we we don't want to be that one that has a child that doesn't handle it appropriately. But but as we are working through this, the kids seem to handle it um, differently than than that at risk group, and that's that, I think that's the hard part. Is we, we're all pretty much living our lives here, coming to work being around people, their training. And so we have to make sure that we keep ourselves uh, separated from anyone that's, that's in that risk group uh, because asymptomatic folks, as you know, we're, they're walking around not knowing they have it. So I think that's the part that's, that's hard to manage is trying to get these kids to understand that, you know, you have to make sure you, you take precautions when you, when you are around people that, that are in that 2%, 3% that, that, certainly cannot get this disease, this virus. Mr. DeMent, have you had a chance to look at the Ohio High School Coaches Association's recommendations for the fall? I sure have. What's your thoughts on it? Well, first of all, (laughs) those guys spent a lot of time uh, on that document. There's a lot of detail in there, absolutely. (laughs) Some good night reading right there. (laughs) It it is... uh, a lot of great recommendations. I think it covers pretty much every aspect that, that you can think of. Um, you know, some of the recommendations, obviously, you know, there's some things in there that, that it, you can't, there's just not a one-size-fit-all for this thing. So I know in some areas there may be some, some things where the recommendations might not be followed, but it is certainly a great guideline, no doubt about it. 
Now, with that being said, of course, you know, when we talk about fall athletics, high school football, uh, the, the, the most popular one out there. And when you think about August 1st coming up around the corner, you already have your student athletes out training and, and everything along those lines. Uh, what about, you know, let's say we're fortunate enough to get to kick off the start of the season. What will home games look like for you guys? What are some of the things you're doing behind the scenes to prepare for that? Are we talking limited capacity, full capacity? What are some of the things you and your team are talking about? Absolutely. We are definitely not planning on full capacity. Uh, we're, we're at most uh, planning on a 50%. It could even be less than that. So we are preparing our facilities to be able to um, uh, function in that capacity. Also, you know, ticket sales and, and getting everything ready so that all of that is, is ready to go. Uh, we are certainly not expecting any more than 50% of any of our events, whether it's volleyball, soccer, football. Uh, that would be our max capacity that, that we would operate at, most definitely. Last thing, and we'll, and we'll let you go. We appreciate you spending time with us. Rob DeMent, Athletic Director for the Centerville Elks, good enough to spend some time with us here this afternoon. Um, the OHSAA announced uh, last week that it is going to be up to each school district to decide on whether or not to play. Uh, some criticized, including myself, that the, the optics to me were that, man, they're just kind of throwing every school out there and you know leaving them to dry. You know, you're, They're making you guys make the tough decisions. Uh, am I wrong in thinking that? Is that, you know, how, how from, from an athletic director's standpoint, how do you view that announcement from the OHSAA? And maybe explain exactly what is their role with you guys? What is the relationship between the OHSAA and your operational day-to-day -day with Centerville and, and compared to other athletic directors in the area? Sure. I, I think it's safe to say that the, the OHSAA has put together a, a return-to-play um, policy for all sports here in the fall. I, I think they've... I think they may have submitted that to the governor's office, um, and I think they're awaiting uh, some ruling on that uh, just to see what kind of guidance they get there. And I think, I think you're right. I think it, you know, <laughs> this is obviously not something that anyone has had to deal with, and, and I think some folks are, are are a little leery to make that final decision. But at, at some point, we need someone to make this decision, so we we know what we're doing. Um, I, from our perspective, we, we feel that on August 1, we're going to start uh, all of our sports, and we're hoping by August 1, uh, the governor's office, along with the OHSA, have worked together because we obviously still have quite a few sports that have not been released uh, to compete against other sports. They're considering them the contact sports that cannot, they can, we can only compete against each other, you know, football, soccer, um, in the fall, uh, cross country, none, none of those sports have been released to compete against anyone else yet. So we're hoping sometime here, right before the August 1st time frame, that someone will at least step up and let us know where we're at. But we're, we're hopeful that we're headed down uh, a good direction, to be honest with you. Well, good. And I don't want to spin that to a negative question to send you out. This will be the last question for real this time. Uh, but we know that there is a business aspect to, uh, you know, sports. I mean, that's what allows, you know, the funding to be able to put, you know, these sports on. I'm curious just how drastic would it be if there is no high school football season in 2020 from a business standpoint? What does that do to a high school like yours? That's a that's that's a really, really good question. Um, it would be uh, we we receive uh, a lot of our income obviously comes from football um, mm -hmm. we, we have some other sports that obviously generate a good amount of of revenue as well and we are we are generally a self you know we usually are able to to pay things uh, through our ticket sales and and pass sales and and obviously having gate no matter what the gate's going to be down so it's so there's going to have to be some adjustments there but 
that that is incumbent upon me to try to cut back on spending in other areas. The bottom line is we're going to do whatever we need to do to provide the best experience for our kids. So uh, my least worry is, is my bottom line if we can get our kids out there and give them a chance to have this experience. Well, sounds good. We're all pulling uh, for there to be a high school football season, volleyball, all fall sports, all sports in every season. Uh, we know how much athletics means uh, to the communities, but also hoping that uh, we can also get that in, in a safe environment. And I know you and your team are doing a fantastic job making sure that that happens as well. I don't envy the job and the position you're in, uh, but you do a fantastic job. And thank you so much uh, for opening up with us today. Well, I appreciate that. appreciate you having me and appreciate everything that you do uh, for local sports. All right. Thanks so much. Take care, yeah. sir. Bye-bye. All right. That was Rob DeMent, the athletic director uh, for Centerville. And uh, I wanted, you know, we talked so much about, well, high schools need to do this or what about this? I forgot to ask about testing. That's the one thing I had meant to, to ask. I, as I'm hanging up, I'm like, no. Um, I, I think that a lot of times we have a perception of what's going on behind the scenes. And we just think that everyone's sitting on their hands just waiting for, for them to be told what to do. But they're... You know, I appreciate the job that they're doing as well. Kind of talking with him earlier today and just, you know, what he said in that interview there. Um, you know, there's a lot of waiting and seeing, you know, mm-hmm. as far as that's concerned. But uh, it sounds like there are a lot of plans in place. That's a, that's a high school program that has had a player test positive already uh, at the freshman level. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those where they've already had to put some of those plans in place. It's one thing to, to think you're prepared for what happens if a player tests positive. They've already had to put some of those plans in place. Um, and it'll be interesting to see not just with Centerville, but all of our local high school teams and how they kind of continue to run moving forward. You know, they're under a lot of pressure, you know. This has never happened before. This is a whole new animal that everybody's dealing with. So you got to really commend the coaches and everybody involved that's going to continue to try to make this season happen. And, you know, the parents want the kids to play. You know who wants to play the most? The kids want to play the most. And everybody's trying to do their best to make sure a season does happen. Hopefully it does happen. All right, Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. If you missed the interview with the local athletic director for Centerville, uh, Centerville Athletic Director Rob DeMent, we will have that interview up on the website at wingam.com coming up here shortly. You can also subscribe and download the Justin Kenner Show podcast uh, where everything will be sent to your phone the second that those segments are done. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. Download and subscribe the Justin Kenner Show podcast in your Apple iTunes and Google Play Store. More of the Justin Kenner Show. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your baby to let you sleep in? What? We could sleep in another half hour? Thanks, sweetheart. And you'll change yourself, too? There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details. It's a new season. And at Sport Clips Haircuts, all of our stylists are clean certified and guy smart. So come in and get yourself back in the game and ask for your free upgrade to our legendary MVP experience. It's a mancation with our hot steam towel, relaxing show. The Justin Kidder Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. Back, Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. And they have only been exhibition. Uh, he had a home run last night in the second inning. Keep in mind that this is a situation where we came into this season just upset with Galvis, even though he's not a bad hitter. He's about a 290 career hitter. And we're looking at him saying, oh, man, we have to 
Are we really stuck with Freddie Galvis at shortstop? If he's who you have at shortstop, he's no Francisco Lindor, don't get me wrong. But you're okay if you, I mean, last night, and not just because he homered last night, but it's because what he's capable of doing. Last night's a prime example of that. That's what he has done his entire career. He is going to be a guy that is going to contribute. Are there other guys out there who can contribute more? Yes. But there are also guys who don't contribute, and you don't have to worry about that when it comes to Freddie Galvis last night homering, as well as Tucker Barnhart. We talked about the fact that Tucker Barnhart with the DH, uh, he wasn't the DH last night, but because you were moving, you know, David Bell had flexibility with moving the order around, not having to put a pitcher ninth in the order. You put Tucker Barnhart ninth in the order who hit 280. I said 290 yesterday. I was wrong. I had to go back and fact check. I fact checked myself. He was 280 for the second half of the season last year. Who cares? He hit 280 the second half of the season last year. He got it rolling. He picked up with right where he left off. Homering last night as well. When you're getting contributions from the bottom of your order, the fact that you were able to get home runs from um, Freddie Galvis and Tucker Barnhart last night, that's huge. Suarez went long as well, plus Akiyama. That is huge when you look at the run, the run contribution from the Reds as well as the power numbers. That's going to be there. Uh, but nine runs last night off of eight hits. Uh, and I'll tell you what, we'll see if the, this lineup can keep it going. Coming up here tonight, Game 2, against the Tigers in exhibition play before they kick off a three-game series with the Tigers this weekend. When it really counts, um, Game 1 of the regular season will be Friday night, immediately following our show. Uh, So 6-10 will be the first pitch here tonight. Here's the Reds lineup. Phillip Irvin will lead things off, and he'll get the start in left field. Joey Votto will bat second but start at first. Eugenio Suarez will bat third and play third. Batting fourth in the cleanup spot in right field will be Nick Castellanos. Batting fifth and at second base is Mike Moustakis. Matt Davidson will get to play the role of DH uh, here tonight. He'll bat sixth. Batting seventh and in center field is Nick Senzel. Behind the plate tonight, no Tucker Barnhart, but you'll get Kurt Casale, Freddie Galvis, who of course went long last night. He'll start at short and he will bat Ninth, and that is your Reds lineup here tonight against the Tigers. Again, Philip Irvin, Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, your one, two, and three hitters. Four, five, and six belong to Nick Castellanos, Mike Moustakis, and Matt Davidson. Nick Senzel, Kurt Casale, and Freddie Galvis will round things out in the bottom of the order, seven, eight, and nine. And that is your Reds lineup again here tonight at Great American Ballpark against the Tigers. So that was fun listening to the game last night, being able to watch some of it as well. You'll have the same opportunity coming up here tonight. Immediately following our show, uh, you will have Reds and Tigers coming up. Uh, and Kevin and I are excited about that as well. Off day tomorrow for the Reds before their opening day or opening night matchup, I should say, with the Tigers on Friday night. Uh, but tomorrow, what a big opening day matchups that we'll discuss coming up around the corner. Opening day, officially twenty four less than 24 hours from now. Uh, we didn't think we'd get to this point of the season. I didn't even think that we'd get to this point, even exhibition play, talking about exhibition games. Um, I think that's pretty exciting. If you ask me. Um, so this just came out a little bit ago. Uh, I thought this was interesting. At 2.37, so about two hours ago, um, the NFL announced that there will be different rules for different venues. There will be different venues around the NFL that you know some teams are coming out and saying no fans. Other teams are coming out and saying there will be some fans. Uh, well, keep in mind that regardless of weather, there are full stadiums, half-empty stadiums, uh, quarter-filled stadiums. Any human being that will step foot in an NFL stadium this year will have to wear a mask. NFL confirms that masks will be mandatory if fans are allowed in the stadium. The NFL confirmed Wednesday that if fans are allowed at NFL games this season, they will have to wear masks. Brian McCarthy, the league's vice president of communications, tweeted out while wearing a mask in in a picture that he put out. 
For those wondering, yes, it is league-wide. Fans at NFL games this season will be required to wear face coverings. The NFL has not announced a league-wide policy on allowing fans at games, leaving it up to the teams to make the decision based on local mandates. But with that being said, if teams do allow fans in attendance, they will have to wear a mask. Now, keep in mind, the Cincinnati Bengals announced two weeks ago, Kev, that they, I mean, the Bengals made their own case for this. They came out and said, hey, all fans will have to wear masks at games. Which Bengals fans is good news because it's a lot more comfortable than the paper bags you had over your head last year. So what? You just couldn't wait, man. You just couldn't wait. Dude. Did you see how I did that? Yeah. I mean, I, I could be a pilot with that landing. That was that was flawless. Goodness. I mean, I was rolling and rolling and then pow, pow. They didn't see it coming. They, they did not see it coming. <laughs> But I, I'm I'm telling you those pla- those paper bags with cutting out the eyes that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I mean, you can't. I mean, sure, you know. So now you got a soft cloth mask that you get to cover your face with. It's it's then no one will know that you're at the game watching a team that only won two games last year. And apparently, with all the talent on the team, they're only good enough to win four games this year in the eyes of most of you. So you know. Who knows? Maybe wear a mask and the paper bag. Let's just be safe, Bengals hey. fans. We don't need any of you, you know. Actually, maybe, you know, that, that's too safe. Right? We don't want to go too safe as far as that's concerned. Now you're talking. Uh, how about the statewide mask mandate that will go into effect tomorrow night at 6 o'clock? Uh, my problem with the, face man- with the face mask mandate is what, I mean, I mean over the last seven days, Devine should have just made it, a, you know, last week. Should have been from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. We were miserable during the stay-at-home order. We kept saying, "Oh man, we we really we can't wait for when businesses open back up again. Can't wait for when we can go back to work. Can't wait for this." You would think that you would have been desperate enough to do anything that it took to be able to remain open and and you know keep this virus contained as much as possible. Apparently not. People lose their minds. Uh, they threw a crap fit when, uh, when 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 Acton came out and said that oh, that she was trying to mandate the mask and everyone lost their mind. And then Dewine got afraid and then he backed up and then. He should have just had the mask mandate from the very beginning. I'm not saying that the numbers would have disappeared. Who knows? Who knows if that's what this is going to lead to? But it at least feels like we're all doing something together to help mm-hmm. aid that. That's all I know. I mean, there were some people that were mad about the stay-at-home order. Well, regardless, it just felt like, okay, but we're all doing this together. We're all doing this to hopefully all help. Making a sacrifice. And it worked. Us, the stay-at-home order worked, whether people want to admit it or not. It, I mean, it worked. We we flattened the curve. Um, but, again, when everything opened back up, you should have known it was going to happen again, and there were no safety measures. I mean, look, just because restaurants separated their tables by six feet didn't mean <laughs> that this virus wasn't going to come back. Right. Come you back know. with a vengeance, too. Uh, I, I can't help it. I haven't seen this many people mad about a piece of cloth since the Fiesta Bowl for Ohio State Buckeye fans last year. I couldn't help it. I couldn't. I was. That's two, man. That's two in less than two minutes, man. I'm not creative enough to come up with any more, but I'll come up with more. But I'll come up with more. All right, lots to get into. How about this? CBS Sports uh, put out a top 25 ranking amongst college football coaches. Ryan Day is not even considered the best coach in the Big Ten. Who do they have? We'll discuss when we come back. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. I even got you on the tease. Oh, man, I'm on a roll yeah, today. Yeah, you I'm did. I thought we were going to talk about it. Cool. Before we can move forward, we have to get ready to start moving again. Movement is how we express ourselves. No matter if it's on the hardwood, the track, or the highway, movement drives our potential, and it helps us build momentum for tomorrow. Movement takes us further than we ever thought possible. It's what separates us in competition, and it's what unites us when we need it most. So when you're ready to start moving forward again, we'll make sure you're ready for every mile. Goodyear, more driven. 
For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional Cyber Savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems. Redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top brand electronics and accessories. Plus, enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 800-BY-DELL. by dell <laughs> Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. <laughs> so a few years ago, we were fortunate enough to be able to watch Bull Bull tear it up over at Trent Arena flying to the hoop. And every time I check Twitter throughout the show, I keep thinking I'm watching the same tweet from SportsCenter. SportsCenter keeps re- they keep tweeting different highlights from this preseason game between um, you know the Wizards and, and Denver and the Nuggets. And apparently capable of doing it. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like almost the same highlight over and over. It starts with a bowl bowl block. Him getting that Rebound, him pushing the ball up the court, him giving it up and getting it right back for a dunk, or him pulling up for a three, or him just going coast to coast with another dunk. Yeah, it led to a conversation during the break about, you know, I was like, man, this is why, you know, Denver, they're good, but they, they'll never be an NBA championship team. Either will a team like with Donovan Mitchell and the. And, and the Jazz, they'll never be an NBA championship team because they have good players, good star players, but they don't have superstar players. There's very few superstars in the league. You know, if you put Kawhi Leonard on Denver, you put uh, LeBron on Denver, you put Kevin Durant on Denver, they're an NBA championship team. And you and I were discussing, we're like, well, what do you mean? They, I mean, this is a good team. I'm like, there's a lot of good teams, but there's a lot of teams that miss that killer instinct. And that's what the Clippers were good, a good team. This is why I also think Chris Paul's overrated. The the Clippers have always been a really good team, but they always. Never- Within the last, I mean, what do you mean? The last five, six, seven years? They've, yeah. This isn't the Clippers I remember growing up. I mean, it's they had Blake, it started when they got Blake Griffin this past decade. Yes, it was okay. a very good well, decade. Well, Take good. out the racist owner, and it was a good decade for the Clippers. Yeah, they okay. Just, I mean, there's a difference between decade and always, because I remember the Clippers with uh, Pooh Richardson. Oh, I remember the Clippers, too. Don't get me wrong. I, mean, I remember the they Clippers didn't. with uh, Michael... Oloa Candy. Yeah, like Oloa Candy. Always is always means an extensive period of time. Like you could say the Lakers have always been good. The really because it has not been a good decade for them. (laughs) I'm just saying, and I'm just saying. You know damn well what I meant. So now we just wasted everyone's last five minutes. No, no, no. You you know damn well what I said. You know you're always getting on my nerves. You know damn well. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, uh, we got to discussing that, and I said this is why. You know, and then you're talking about, well, you got to give them time. You said, you, they, who was the player you said that they were hoping to turn into a star? Uh, Jamal Murray. But by the time that happens, you know, Erkovich is already to the point where you have to give him a max deal that you can't put other pieces around. This is why the NFL is better than the NBA. Because when they come into the league, they're not finished products, but they're way closer to being a finished product than what the NBA guy's coming in. Bobo's a kid. Yeah. Bobo's a kid. And, uh, you know, imagine him three years in college. I, it'll never happen. And I'm not saying that I'm an advocate for it to happen, but if the NBA cared about its product, it would. The NBA should do, to be in the NBA draft, stay in college for three years. It won't happen. Or come to the G League your freshman year, and we'll develop you over here. 
That That's what the NBA should do. Because the NFL has a feeder system that is the best feeder system of all time in college football. So you think the guys that come into the NFL are more ready to play than the guys that are A million and ten percent. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yes, Kevin. You can't watch these kids in the NBA. and th- Look how long it took Kevin Durant to emerge. How long does it take? He was a 20 Patrick points, Mahomes. 20, 20 but he wasn't a score. superstar. I mean, all these guys can score, Kev. If you give these guys enough shots, they can all score. Bull Bull will score a ton of points if you give him 30 shots But Kevin a game. Durant is one of those, what do they call him, uh, 90, uh, 50, 40 guys? He's been doing that what, his so entire get career. Why did it take him eight years to get to the finals? Well, you're not going to just it go to the LeBron, finals off the rip. Le, Magic Johnson did. LeBron James did just fine no, getting the finals didn't. early on. Four years Le, and he's in the finals. LeBron James missed the playoffs his first two years in the NBA. I said four years. Yeah, I'm right saying. away. We're, we're talking they, made it to the play, they made it to the finals. They lost to the Heat. Huh? They made it to the finals early in his career. Who? That was okay, early. See. That was not early in his career. Look what you're look look I guarantee he was in the league six or seven years by that point. In fact, I know it was seven because he spent two more years with OKC after that because I've always said that, hey, he gave OKC nine years. After they went to the finals, they took away Iblaka, all right? They took away James Harden, all right? And then they ultimately took away Scott Brooks. They took more pieces <laughs> away. And not, No, you're laughing at that. Kevin Durant was pissed when they took away Scott Brooks out of, out of, as the head coach. He loved playing for Scott Brooks, which is why many people think that he could maybe be a sleeper to be the next head coach for Brooklyn. Doubt it. Because he's right now with Washington. So, there's that. I don't know, man. I'm right. I, Look I it up. I, I'm Add just it up. saying. And I'm, I'm just saying he wasn't a superstar for a while. And none of these guys are. And that's okay. I'm not even mad. I mean, look how I mean D'Angelo Russell. So what? Look, and I'm not putting him in the same category as LeBron and them. But my goodness, we thought he was just going to be one of the biggest busts in NBA history. And then all of a sudden, just something clicks because it takes a couple years in the league before it clicks. And you know, I promised you, Patrick Mahomes, if he comes into the NFL after one year out of high school, he's not doing what he's doing now. The the NFL is what it is, is because these guys are stars when they come into the league. They're they're ready to play right away. It doesn't mean that they're ready to kick ass right away but so what what do you what do you define as a superstar in the nba what, def, what there's not many i'm just saying so lebron in, in kd's kevin third, durant his third year he was a 30 point scorer there's a lot of scores no 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 dudes are not just dropping 30 they are when you give them enough shots dude in that year he shot 48 percent from the field mm-hmm. uh 37% from three, 90 from the free throw line, seven. Again, seven star, star player, no. not superstar. 30 points. Superstars take their team to the finals. Superstars take their team you know, to the Everybody's not going to go to the finals. It doesn't work real, like that. You have to Kawhi have Kawhi Leonard does one, it. One Kawhi Leonard did it with San Antonio. One did it with with Toronto. He also had. He's going to do it with L.A. Yeah. Tim Duncan, Hall of Famer. Uh, oh, you, you got that Gino- telling me? Oh, no, he was a bum. Gino- he was old. He was taking a wheelchair. Ginobili, Hall of Famer. Ginobili! Uh, Tony Parker, Hall of Famer. Yeah, three Hall of Famers on his team. He was the guy with those teams, though. No, he was not the guy on the Spurs. He was. Uh, how good did they? Was after not, he left. He was not after the, the guy after he on left, the Spurs. How good were they? He's a guy. Toronto. He's a guy with the Clippers, but he was. So not he he wasn't the guy. Guys. He just magically became the guy in Toronto. He, he wasn't the guy in San Antonio. He, he just magically became a guy. He just wasn't. magically over time. He wasn't the guy. He was the guy. He was a cog in the system. He wasn't a cog in the system. Yes, he, he was, was the system. Look at when he left. How bad they looked. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's been Seriously. a while since we've heard from Tom. Spurs fan Tom, you out there. Well, the four five seven nine four six four. Kevin is saying that 
What are you saying? What I'm exactly saying the saying? guys I'm that come the, into come into the NBA are ready to go too. No, they're not. They, they are. are. No, Zion Kevin, is, Dur- Kevin so Durant, not. 20, 25, 30 in his th- third year. What do you want? By the way, these guys are like, you give anyone enough shots, they'll drop 20. Come on, man. Not with these percentages, man. He's shooting above 45%. It's not like... Especially with them percentages. 45%? Yeah. Well, we talk about how soft this area is anyways. You can't touch him. 45%? That's why James Harden never went dropping This isn't isn't Allen Iverson. No, this was your argument, too, that the reason MJ was so great is because he he dominated the the physical year. This year, it's easy to dominate. (laughs) So Kevin is saying that the NBA players are more ready coming out of college after one year, apparently, for most of these guys, than the NFL guys are after three. The NFL guys coming in are ready right away. Okay, name name name. Give me a rookie, just a, a rookie that that's going to be in the NFL this year. Call out the rookie that's going to be great that that you know is going to be great. Give me a second. Coming back, Joe Burrow will be good. He won't be great. He'll be good. But no, it's uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, no, playoffs. Because he's playing for a bum ass team. That's why I'm not willing. And to OKC say it's be great. was terrible too. They relocated from Russell Seattle. Westwood, yeah, James Harden. They relocated from you Seattle had- to OKC. They were basically a startup team. LeBron took Ira Newble to an NBA Finals. That's a superstar for you. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> ha! And how many years later? I said- it's the Justin Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. 210-9676, that is the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. Six, uh, I mean, right now Kevin and I are debating because I said earlier that the reason that the NBA struggles a lot of times is because, I, I mean, these guys come into the league and they show potential, but they're they're not as ready to come in and play and dominate. Like, the NFL players going into the NFL, leaving college, they are closer to their potential in the NFL than what the guys in, ba- in basketball are. And I was saying that, man, college basketball, the NBA would be ten times better. Charles Barkley has said this on multiple occasions. You're letting kids into the league. These are these are puppies coming into the league. But they haven't had any time to develop. The NFL, they've had time to develop. All right? I mean, Justin Fields, three years in school, technically only two. I mean, there's there's a reason Dwayne Haskins, people were worried about him because he only started for one season. Justin Fields, technically, if there is no upcoming 2020 season, that'll be a knock against him. That he only played one season as a starter. All right? Uh, you know, look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had five years in college, only had one legit <laughs> year of football. So let's be honest here. Uh, I mean, all that. Now, you said, what stars do I think? We see stars come in and dominate all the time in the NFL. We don't see stars come in and dominate in the NBA. No one makes a difference. Look, the Niners get Joe or get Nick Bowe. So, boom. Redskins this year. Oh, system. I called him the wrong thing. Called him the wrong the thing. Timeout. 49ers, 49ers had a good defense already. Then why were they three, only had three wins the year before? They had that same defense then? Because your precious quarterback that you love so much, Young Garoppolo, was hurt. They had me and so you what out you're there saying is, is, so that my precious quarterback, porn star Jimmy, is... Uh, <laughs> The legend. Nah, 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 listen. I may not like him on the field, but off the field, he's a legend. It takes some balls <laughs> to take a porn star out to dinner, knowing that paparazzi is going to be out there. I mean, that's a power move. That's a power. It's like, look who I'm dating. Oh, you've never heard of her? Google her, and then erase your search history after. Don't Google her at work. Google her at work. That'll be a great story later on. That'll be a great story later on. How about Zeke? Zeke was an immediate... I mean, he should have won MVP his rookie year. And I, I argue that the only reason he didn't win MVP that year 
is because he was a rookie. He should have been MVP his rookie season. Run for 1,800 yards. I mean, he literally, I mean, with the rookie quarterback as well. By the way, with the rookie quarterback and a rookie running back, who does that? Who takes a with a rookie? No, that's that's his second that year. Defense? That's his second year. You saw who was talking about his rookie year, right? the first year then. Forget the first year. You got me all flustered. I see what yeah. you're doing. You're pulling a schlemmer. I see no, what I'm you're just, doing. I'm I see what you're doing. I'm look at the what Niners you're saying. with Bosa right off the bat. Okay, the Cowboys and, with Zeke and, that and, year should have won did, a Super Bowl. San Diego, I mean, San Diego, did the Chargers go to the playoffs Joey's rookie year? Joey wasn't as dominant. <laughs> Nick Bosa was dominant. No, Joey was more dominant. Huh? Joey was more dominant. That's true. He was the less soft of the two. And his dad let him play. Yeah, but he, but he's a superstar. They didn't make it They're to the They're all playoffs. superstars coming in. They're all name-brand superstars. Everyone knows who they are. That's what you They're want. You want, you want a, you want a microwave there. dinner. You want a pre-packaged a microwave dinner. dinner. I'll take a microwave dinner pre-packaged day over John pre- Morant, who's coming in. He's a scorer. That's what he does. He scores. Good for him. Everyone in the NBA can score. It's a scoring league. That's why when people, that's why, that's why no one loves uh, uh, James Harden because every time James Harden drops into the thirty-point game, all it is is well, everyone's dropping thirty right now. That's why no one respects James Harden's game because everyone's doing it. Oh, a guard coming in and scoring, how original! That's the game today. So he's John Morant is averaging eighteen points and seven assists. I'm not saying he's a bum. I'm just not saying he's a star. So what does he have to do to make himself a star in your eyes? He's eventually turning into one. But, geez, we're talking about, like, LeBron coming into the league totally just changed the landscape he didn't of the make it to the He didn't make it to the playoffs. And yeah, he was still a bigger deal than John Morant in Memphis the first year. And, by the way, he would not have made the playoffs if the season continued. And the only reason that these teams, half of them, are involved anyways is because they expanded the field because of the real superstars. What are you like talking about? They, they, have, they have a three-game lead. A three-game lead. Three-game lead. Three-game lead. They, they weren't going to hold that three-game lead. Hey, no. Zion was coming for him, the real superstar <laughs> in this bunch. Yeah, boom! He's another a rookie. Superstar. I, I was you're just like, going. He, you're just going no, off no, no, of hype and popularity. Hype and popularity. John Morant's was, very popular. That's not true at all. I would rather have John Morant over Zion. Uh, you like bum teams. He's in the playoffs and not hurt all the time. Someone says, and, "Oh boy, you've never w- watched Morant." I have watched Morant, but like, <laughs> there's a lot of good guards in the league, but like, there's not impact guards. There's what are you talking about? Guys. He's turning the franchise around. Turning the franchise. Oh, wow, an eight seed. Wow, man, sky's the limit. They weren't in the playoffs. They were terrible. Oh, my goodness. They were terrible. And Even with players, a great point guard with Mike Conley, they were terrible. Players coming out of college for football, are more re- are, they are more impact-ready guys than the NBA. He is making an impact. He has them in the playoffs. You know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm just like, stating the fact. They're fans. a lot closer to being a finished product coming out of college for football than the NBA, than for basketball. I'll give you several you, you examples. Go, all these guys go to the NBA. I mean, look at Obi Toppin. Goes to UD, plays a couple years, and he's a, f- a man. Ooh, he's <laughs> That's a, a dumb he's, button. He's a man coming out of UD, ready to go tear it up in college. He didn't go and become a little, you know, one year at UD as a puppy going to the league and then having to be pampered for a while. No, he, Obi's going to go and do his thing because he's a man going into college basketball right now. He's not going after one year. He got to define his body, got to totally change how he looks. He got to work on his game. Last year, I said, oh, he's a second-round pick. He didn't have a three-point shot. They're like, oh, he hit, hits threes. I'm like, oh, there's a difference between being a three-point shooter and being able to hit a three. What's that dude do? He goes and he becomes a three-point shooter. He becomes a walking highlight reel. That's what that, he is the prime example of why two to three years of college basketball will make you a legit star the second you step foot out on the floor. And how many John Morants are there out there that come out every year? Not many. Not any. Rarely. I mean, look at in, in Zion Williamson. He's in the planet all by himself. He's in the planet all by himself. Zion's the biggest star to come out of college since Anthony Davis and probably the biggest, biggest star since LeBron James. 
as far as the impact. Because Anthony Davis never really impacted. He never turned the NBA around. He, I could argue that freaking Ball, Alonzo Ball's kid, or Alonzo Ball, had a bigger marketable approach to the league than Anthony Davis did. As far All right, as so you're, you're here for the highlights and the marketing, or are you here for the W's? Because I'm here for the W's. And again, those W's, like Memphis ain't winning an NBA I'm here for W's, man. NBA, I, I mean, the, the Zion dunks are all cool and everything like that. But know, Tracy McGrady, he was great. Allen Iverson was great. No NBA championships. Allen Iverson went to the finals. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> but before, no he was all, but now we're talking about. I'm talking about from a rookie standpoint. I just mean you're bringing up like, oh, how talented you know how many talented guys aren't like the guys that you could build a team around to count on winning you championships. There's very select few. John Moran ain't it. Zion is. So you know after 77 games that John Moran yes, ain't it. It's Memphis. No one's winning an NBA championship in Memphis, and I can go off of history to prove that. No, you ain't winning a championship in Memphis, and if he does, it's because he's going to leave and go pair up with somebody else somewhere. So after that's what they do. No, no, Kevin no, no, Durant, no, 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 no. You didn't say you're Kevin Durant's so, a no, bum no, no. too. We're about, Kevin Durant about the player. Kevin Durant about the couldn't pl- do the, it. The individual as a player after 77 after 77 games, you know he he ain't got the goods. No, I know he's good, but he ain't got the goods to be the guy on the team that's going to lead. No one's going to say we're going to go and, on, and on pair, and we're going to, you know, we're going to. So pair you know, that after seventy-seven games, I know it. Yes. So throughout the rest of his career, he's not going to do anything. You know that after seventy-seven games, he's going to score a lot of points. He's going to score a lot of points. He's going to be on playoff teams. Uh, he might win an NBA championship, but he will not win an NBA championship as the best player on the team. Okay. Because that's what superstars do. They win it as the best player on the team. <laughs> That's what LeBron does. That's what Steph Curry did because Kevin Durant. Eh. You, he did win a championship. He was the, the best, best player on the team. team. Yes, no, he was. No, I'll take Steph Curry over Durant. He is a that. better basketball player than Steph Curry. He's a bum. He's, he's weak. So there's a difference between weak and still. He's still a better basketball player, then. All right. Was Tracy McGrady in his prime better, a better basketball player than, than Steph Curry? No. Really? No. Because Kevin Durant's Tracy McGrady on steroids. They could score, <laughs> they could store, they could score the hell out of the ball. I don't care about scoring. Everyone can score in the NBA. Oh, you could look how many points he scored. I don't care about how many points he scored. Everyone in the NBA scores points. That's not everybody. Everybody. Everybody everybody scores points. John Morant scores 18 a game. Everyone scores points. (laughs) Everyone scores points in the NBA. Not everybody. Yes, like Not everybody. It's a guard-oriented league. That's all that happens. Everyone goes in and scores. That's Mm. it. High volume shooters, high volume scores, but it's the that's real why you got to look at that, percentage. That's why you got to look at shooter percentage. When dudes are scoring that many points and shooting at a high clip over forty to fifty percent, then they're doing something right. They're not just oh man chucking up shots. This isn't the era of uh, Allen Iverson when AI was averaging thirty and shooting thirty five percent. Kobe this, was able to do that and win championships. In fact, he won. Got to three straight finals and won back to back in that stretch. During a time that he was shooting ungodly amounts of shots, superstars can win that way. And his shooting percentage was high. But he's knocking He's a high-volume shooter, knocking him down. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of high-volume shooters knocking him down to high clips like that. Exactly. You're proving my point. I'm proving my own point. And my point is, is that only superstars superstars win championships. John Moran's not going to win no championship. I'm not talking about this year. I just mean moving forward. He will never win a championship as the best player on the team. And James Harden is a prime example of that. James Harden has won an MVP. I keep hearing shows all day today. Is he the best scorer of all time? Will he go down as the best scorer of all time? His step back three is revolutionary. And blah, blah, blah. Great. Enjoy your scoring. That's fantastic. You're throwing John Morant's scoring averages at me. Great. That's fantastic. I also brought up seven enjoy, assists, shooting 50% oh, for the field. Assists? Wow. Wow. And that's a lot of assists, a lot of points for a guy that will never lead a team to a championship. <laughs> 
That's adorable. It's cute. James Harden's going to score a lot of points. He'll never win the championship as the best player on the team because he's not a, he's not a LeBron. He's not a Kawhi. Uh, he's not one of those guys. Uh, Kevin Durant, I do believe, is a superstar. Yes, I just don't like him, so I have to find every <laughs> excuse. But there's only three superstars in the league right now. LeBron, Kawhi, and Kevin Durant. Steph Curry on the outside, just barely looking in. But the reason I, I could say that you can win a championship with him, he's won an NBA championship with him as the best player on a team before. They did it before Kevin Durant got there. That's why I also include Steph, Steph in Curry the is definitely a superstar. Definitely a superstar. There's very few. Giannis isn't a superstar? Nope. There's a lot of really good players in the league. League's super talented. League was talented in the 90s. There weren't a lot of superstars. I mean, was, uh, that's what I'm saying. Giannis is going to get there. He was going to win another MVP. I think LeBron should be MVP this year, but that's an argument that I'm sure we'll have later on. But, yeah. I don't even remember the regular season, so whoever they give it to, I really don't care. Well, they're not counting anything that's being played at the bubble towards that. So they're saying yeah, they can do whatever they want. It really don't matter. Let's just hopefully we can get this whole season all right, four five seven nine four six four. Uh, we'll transition away again? from the. No, you did not win. You're yeah. like John Morant. You think you high volume shooter, but it's fifty percent dribbling without a purpose. Fifty percent from dribbling the field. without a purpose. <laughs> dribbling without a purpose. So let's get to that list. That college football coaches list. ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. Responsible for it, too. <laughs> it's all my fault. It was you. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Justin Field and bat seventh. Behind the plate is Kurt Casale. He's catching and batting eighth. And at shortstop is Freddie Galvis, and he will get the honor of batting ninth. The nine-hole hitter used to be the dis- that was the disrespectful slot, man. Now, there is no disrespectful slot. You're, you're, everyone's moving all up and down that mm-hmm. order because there's flexibility. And flexibility sounds a lot like strategy to me. And strategy <laughs> is what I thought was missing uh, from the game because of the DH being added. If all it did was it added more strategy, it added more flexibility. And oh yeah, I would rather much. I would rather watch Freddie Galvis hit and swing a bat than a pitcher. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. I mean, I so tired of hearing. Oh, it takes the it, it takes the strategy out of the game. I'm gonna poke fun at that all year. <laughs> this is about to be the most entertaining year of baseball in my lifetime, and I cannot wait. Actually, that's not that's all BS. The most entertaining year was the you know early late nineties, early two thousands. Steroids, the injection years. You know, the, it was all about the injections during those times. So, but this will be the most entertaining year of baseball since the Barry Bonds era and all that. Last thing on that. But Who has the jump? The hitters or the pitchers? Who has the what? Who has the jump early in the season? Hitters or pitchers? That's a good I really, I've thought about that before, and I always want to say the hitters, but the timing, that both positions, are. It, it all comes down to timing. I mean, you could sit there and say that, okay, well, the pitchers, they've been able to throw a ton of bullpen sessions during their time off. How many times did we see Bauer and others show videos of them, you know, pitching and, and you know, keeping their arm in, in check and doing everything during the offseason? But a lot of these guys get in batting cages, but as you hear from any hit, you, they're, not the timing is not even close to being the same stepping in a batting cage uh, as far as when you're facing a real live arm talent. So I don't know. I don't have a straight answer for it. I know that's great on Sports Talk Radio, but I'm, I don't have Give a straight an answer. opinion. I'm not really sure. Um, this season, I think there's going to be more pressure on the hitters because I think that every team is going to have more depth as far as pitching is concerned. You don't have your stuff that night on the mound. 
your team has more flexibility as far as options you know, on the bench. For one, you're not trying to save guys for 162 games. You have 100 less games that you're worrying about. The hitters are really going to be wor- – I'm worried about the Reds come Friday night to start the season. If they don't, if they don't have like a hit three or four innings into this, in the first game – then you're going to start thinking about the last couple of years where, oh, man, we just, we've just we never been able to get it going in the first couple weeks of the season. Right. You will bury yourself, and you will be officially done if you have a very bad, slow start the first two weeks of a 60-game season. I think it's going to be tougher on the hitters. I think it's going to be more mental for the hitters to start the season because it's do or die. Every run matters, mm-hmm. and you could say that's the same thing from a pitching standpoint of giving up the runs, but you have more firepower behind you as far as pitching is concerned than hitting. And if collectively the Reds don't hit like they have done in years past, starting the season, April has been horrible. Hopefully they don't do what they've done in April to start things off here in July. Uh, I should say at least heading into August. But it's going to be – it's almost August, by the way. I'm going to say the hitters. I think there's more pressure on the hitters. I do, too, because, you know, like you said, if you don't start up hot or fast or whatever, we talk about slumps. And what's the worst way to be in a slump? A slump in a short season. So you're going to start hacking. You're going to try to get, break yourself out of that slump faster. And when you try to break out of one, you'll find yourself digging yourself even deeper. So I think the pitchers got the upper hand, especially early. Not even just early in the season. I think they're going to have the upper hand all season long. I'm expecting a lot of low-scoring games this year. I'm talking some two-to-ones, a lot of those. See, I think that there'll be a game. <sighs> I don't think we're going to see a lot of low-scoring games. I think there's going to be some teams that start out struggling offensively, but the DH is in both leagues now. Okay. That's one, I mean, you could sit there and say, oh, well, that's just one less bad hitter in the lineup. Well, no. How many at-bats of legit batters is that going to be? Right. That's why American League always averages more runs. You know, everyone's like, oh, that's the hitting league. When, when, yeah. This is why I've always I was the stupidest thing in the world. It was so stupid. I mean, really, the people complaining about the DH in the National League, I don't get it. It's so embarrassingly dumb that a sport literally had, under the same umbrella, two different rules for two different divisions. Like, we're going to look back 20 years from now and just laugh at how stupid baseball actually was. (laughs) And I don't even care if that's the way it was during, you know, the, the tradition of the game and back in the good old days when baseball was really good. Even when baseball was at its peak, ratings-wise, it was still the stupidest thing in the entire world that under the same professional sports umbrella, you had two different divisions with two different rules. That is, it's a joke. It's so laughable to me that people like it because it's just the norm. We just get used to what's the norm. Well, the norm is stupid. And this is normal. It's no, This is what baseball should have done. It should have been this in the very beginning. I, I don't get it. Uh, I, I, I have no clue why so many people are down that the Reds don't get to play by the same rules as the other divisions. Like, let's be real here. Everyone's playing on the same ground now. But to answer your question, Kev, I think that, no, there'll be more runs because that's four to five more at-bats per night per game for now a whole division. Like, this isn't just an interleague play where the National League will get to experiment with the DH. Now you have the entire National League that is going to average four to five more at-bats per game with a legit with a legit hitter. So I think that's going to pre- present more hitting opportunities, more run-scoring opportunities. And let's be honest, baseball hasn't struggled in that department um, over the last couple of years. In fact, as far as the power numbers are concerned, like that's why I never understand when people say, oh, chicks dig the long ball and all that stuff, and that's why the, the early 2000s baseball was better. This era is proving that the steroid era did not save baseball. I don't believe steroids saved baseball. I just believe that during that era, there was actual superstars that people actually cared about. More pe- Everyone's like, oh, the home runs. That's why people cared about baseball in the early 2000s. Kev, you know last year that they hit more home runs last season than at the 
the high than, than that any point during the steroid era. Last season, there were more home runs hit last year than at any point during the steroids era. Than any point, than season ever. Last year was the most home runs hit ever. What did that do for the game? It didn't do anything. Like, I don't believe that the, that the long ball is what people go to watch baseball for. I want to see small ball. I want to see people laying down bunts to advance runners. I want to see people be more aggressive on the base path trying to steal. Those quick, quick action plays, that's what people are invested in. You know, stealing second, stealing third, putting, you know, advancing your runners. That's where the runs are coming in. I don't care about, oh, you hit four home runs and you lost five to four because you didn't bring anybody in because mm-hmm. it was four solo blasts. Advance right. the runners. And and to me, that's where that's why this year is going to be way more exciting is because there's going to be more emphasis on that aspect of the game. But I do not believe that the Powerball is what really gets people tuning in because last year was a prime example that's not the case. It was the most most home runs hit ever last year, and it didn't lead to higher ratings. I never knew that. I never know they hit so many home. How many home runs were hit last night? I don't have that. the to- that number. We did a topic on this a few months ago, and I don't have that the spreadsheet in front of me that I had that day. Um, but I remember doing the same conversation months ago. That you know, every time people say, "Oh, that steroid era saved baseball," the long ball saved baseball. It did not. That's like saying that the the dunk saves basketball. No, the dunk does not save well, basketball. Well, I don't. Okay, I see what you're saying, but I think that that era with the long ball did save it then because they were coming out of um, strikes and everything like that, uh, unrest with the players' union and the actual Major League Baseball. I don't think necessarily like that continued. Like you know, we've got into a different era of baseball. So like I think maybe people are just talking about that era of time where chicks did the long ball, the steroid era, saved baseball and brought fans back. I don't necessarily think like oh it kept the fans. But you had I think it was more stars because you had Barry Bonds, you had Alex Rodriguez, you had Derek Jeter, uh, you had Sammy Sosa, you had Mark McGuire, Albert Pujols. By the way, statistically better than I mean he's right up there with Barry Bonds as far as dominance. We just hate him because of the fact that you know and uh, he all was those the guys Cardinals. you named are all of them except for one were home run power hitters. Well, no, a lot of the but yes, but at the same time, but all these guys are power hitters now. But I'm Trout, that, that power era. Hitter, no one cares. But that era, but those guys were all. The best of all time. We're not looking at these guys as the best. I don't Bryce Harper. I'm like, okay, he's the, one of the best players in the game, but I don't put him in the same category as an Albert Pujols from back in the day, or a Barry Bonds, or a Sammy Sosa. Yes, they're all power, but they again, this goes back to that star power. Star power is what drove the '90s. Like, and that, that's the thing too. A lot of those guys were chasing records, hitting 500, 600, 700 home runs. Who's no one's doing that right now? In fact, I looked at the numbers. We're probably another ten years away before any one of our current guys are going to be competing and chasing home run records. And we've also been taught that no one cares about that anymore because we've been told that they all cheat. Our <laughs> pools just hit is what I think five hundredth or six hundredth home run last year, and it wasn't even on Sports Center. No, no one cut out. I remember being a kid, and every time Barry Bonds would step into the box, I remember my teacher would stop class to tune in to Barry Bonds at bats. Like it was just that big a deal. You had to tune in to watch Barry Bonds at bats. Uh, you had to tune in that home run chase between uh, McGuire and Sosa. Same thing. I remember having teachers who would literally have the game on in the classroom <laughs> and st- would stop class to watch it because that's how big of a deal it was. Um, there's nothing in baseball today that a teacher in the history of the world this in the last five to six years would stop to make sure that the students got to see it because there's nothing big enough in the game right now that people care about. So there's that. Um, all right, we can finally get into this list. I'm ready. Oh, you're ready. So CBS Sports put out this top 25 Power 5 coaches list. Now, 
I get it. Ryan Day has only had one full year as a head coach. I do not count the year that he was coaching the Buckeyes while Urban Meyer was suspended. I just don't. That, I mean, you were you had an interim tag. We're talking one full year as a legit big boy adult head coach. That's only one year for Ryan Day. But what Ryan Day has proved throughout the time, even as the interim coach, was his ability to be a leader among men. And that is exactly what Ryan Day has been able to do at Ohio State, even as a as a coordinator, as an interim head coach, now as the head coach, and as a recruiter. There are so many things that matter as far as that's concerned. It's not just about being the coach and being responsible for everything under the umbrella. It's what are you doing in all aspects of the game, from the on-field execution, on-field preparation, and, oh, yeah, the off-the-field situations as well. Ryan Day hits a home run in all of those categories. So I don't like to use the fact that he's only been a head coach for one year as an excuse. Now, your top three head, co- your top two head coaches in college football, according to CBS Sports Top 25 Power 5 Coaches, Nick Saban, number one, Dabo Swinney, number two. No issue with that. When Urban Meyer was in the league, when o- Urban Meyer was still coaching, my top three coaches in college football, Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, Urban Meyer, in that order. Now, with Urban Meyer out... Number three becomes an interesting conversation. You have an Ed Orgeron, who just won his very first national championship last year. Uh, you have Kirby Smart, who's been do, you know recruiting at a high level and winning a lot of games for Georgia. Jimbo Fisher's won multi, or has won uh, you know national championships. As far as that's concerned, so who is number three? It's not Ryan Day, Kev. It's Jay, it's Lincoln Riley. The Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley is the number three head coach, according to the CBS Sports Top 25 Power 5 Coaches Rankings. Do you agree? No. Who is your number three? Because coaching is more than developing great quarterbacks and putting a ton of offensive guys in the NFL. You also have to have both sides of the ball. And as we all know, in the Big 12, defense is very optional. And for them to be the number one team in the Big 12, it's not because of their defense. It's because of his mind and his ability to scheme open great receivers like a C.D. Lamb, like a Hollywood Brown, and develop quarterbacks, which is great. But there's two sides of the ball, and they're not playing on the other side of the ball. So I can't have him number three. I just can't. I can't put him up there. As much as I love him, I can't put Lincoln Riley at number three. I would have to go with Kirby Smart at number three. He's played for a national championship. They play both sides of the ball. Um, he recruits so, at a high level. High level. Um, yeah, I would go with Kirby Smart. As Plus, he three. coaches in the SEC, and it just means more. Always means more. Um, I'm with you at number three. Um, I have Kirby Smart there as well at number three, although I would like to put Mac Brown, but I I get why he's not there. I'm going to put as Nick Saban one, Dabo Swinney two, Kirby Smart number three because it goes back to what we were talking about. The recruiting, the level at which you recruit, the big wins, and he has big win after big win after big win. And the fact that, you know, he's in the SEC championship game every year. They've beaten Alabama. They've been to a national championship game where they ultimately lost. I get that. But it's tough to get there. Uh, I do. I, I am a fan of Lincoln Riley and the fact that I get what you're saying about the defense. But, man, yes, it is the the guys that he's putting in the NFL, the Heisman winning quarterbacks, the, the beyond talented offensive schemes, that, the offensive teams that he has with those offensive schemes. It's just a, it's a match made in heaven. Um, I think there is something to be said as making the playoffs every year that he's been a head coach, though. That, it's tough to make the college football playoff. Ask Ohio State. I don't even care. 
if the Big 12 was not as good as the Big 10, it's still tough to make the college football playoff. Clemson was a field goal away against uh, uh, a field goal away against North Carolina of not being in last year's right. college football playoff, and they were in the national championship game last year as far as that's concerned. But they have Lincoln Riley at number three, Ed Orgeron at number five or number four. I would be curious to see where they would have had Ed Orgeron had they not won the national championship game last year. Um, Brian Kelly coming in at number five. How in the blue hell do you have Brian Kelly at number five? He made the playoff one time, and outside of that, they win a lot of games. They're just very they're, – they're not average. They're above – they're just an above-average program. And if he had that same resume at any other program, he would not be number five on this list right now. I have no clue how Brian Kelly is number five um, out of Notre Dame. I, I, I have no clue. There's no way you could justify putting him at number five. Five is a little high. Top ten, though, for sure. Um, everything that they're asked to do at Notre Dame, like they actually ask their student athletes to, you know, kind of like go to class and graduate and all that type of stuff. Well, like it's like that. the National League not having the DH and the American League <laughs> having it for two sets of rules. <laughs> They're, they're they're bragging about a rule that no one else cares about. Right. Yeah. I'm just. I'm. Yeah. You're right. I'm just saying. But like, I think that does go into account. Um. They do. Like, I I know you and I differ about the whole Notre Dame thing, everything like that. But they do play a good schedule. Like they do. Like mm-hmm. I mean, yes. USC isn't what USC used to be. Yes, Stanford isn't what they used to be. But they're still on the schedule. Like they're they're playing some big teams and they play. Uh, they played Georgia back-to-back seasons, so they all, and then they have their ACC state slate. Now, okay, ACC isn't the greatest conference in the world, but you know what? This year, technically, they have Clemson on the schedule. So, you know, their schedule is, in my opinion, always up there with the top notch because they they go play everybody. Like uh, a couple years ago, they played at Texas. So, you know, what I'm saying their their schedule is always up there. I do think Brian Kelly is a good coach. I don't necessarily like him i think he's a psychopath but you know i do think he's a good coach kirby smart coming in at number six we talked about where we would have him uh i would take jimbo fisher over brian kelly and probably over ed orgeron um as far as that's concerned yeah i'm with uh, that i'm with that now ed orgeron i want to see what he does this year and but the thing is i've always been a big ed orgeron fan lf every year LSU would have some huge. It was just that Alabama game. Alabama was the that one team that just was always in LSU's way. Um, they're kind of like the Penn State of the you know the SEC a little bit, except they were able to overcome the Alabama hump. And of course, when you get that star quarterback, that's when everything. I mean, when you get that quarterback, man, everything just opens up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you looked at a program like Alabama, who's always dominant, but just look how much more easier everything looked when you put two in there. We all know how dominant Ohio State's been over the years, and their best quarterback up until uh, you know was you know look at JT Barrett and that run. We thought that that was just the best thing we'd ever seen until we actually saw a real quarterback and Dwayne Haskins step foot out on the field, and we saw a real quarterback play. A real quarterback play of Cardell, you know, guys that pass the ball that know how to do it at a high level, you know, the guys like that. So this when guy. when you insert real quarterbacks into these really good programs like LSU, like Ohio State, like Alabama, and others, it takes you to that next level. Which is why I've said you need an elite quarterback to be a college football playoff team. Bum quarterbacks aren't leading their teams to the college football playoff, which is why it took Cardell Jones to win a national championship at Ohio State, which is why uh, it took Dwayne, you know, Dwayne Haskins, uh, that style of play, to put them in that position consistently. Of course, they had those bad losses to Iowa, and then you look at what happened the next year, um, of course, you know, against Purdue. Um, so, actually, Iowa was the loss with JT Barrett, just to be clear, throwing that out there. But anyways, again, not the point. Um, Dan Mullen at number eight. I'm going to let you take that one because, no, 
Dan Mullen should not be at number eight. Uh, a little high. Um, Dan Mullen did a lot of great things at Mississippi State. Um, a lot of good wins at Mississippi State. Um, has Florida bouncing back? I don't really don't dislike him as a coach. Uh, I think he is a pretty solid coach, but to have him over some of the other guys that I'm looking at on this list, because I, I think it is more than just about wins and losses as a coach. It's also like the program that you're at. Um, what you do with the amount of talent that you can get into your school. Um, you're not getting the same athletes at a Northwestern. Patch Fitzgerald isn't getting the same type of guys that go to Florida or Ohio State or uh, Alabama at Northwestern. He's just not. But Patch Fitzgerald is a hell of a coach. So I think Patch Fitzgerald is a, one of those coaches that I, I really respect in here. But for Dan Mullen, I would probably somewhere around the 10 to 15 range. And here's the problem I have right here. The most overrated coach in this top ten. I don't like Brian Kelly. I'm not a fan. I mean, Dan Mullen's good. I agree with you. Dan Mullen's good. I just, I don't. I guess when I see the coaches around him, I'm like, really? I would take every, uh, pretty much every coach around him, I would take over him. But um, not the end of the day, if that's your head coach, just put it that way. The most overrated coach in this top ten that drives me literally bonkers, James Franklin. I am not a James Franklin guy. That guy regularly recruits top talent and regularly loses the big one. I can understand why other programs in the Big Ten can't seem to get past Ohio State. The talent's not even close. Penn State's had similar talent, and he has yet to be able to conquer Ohio State, whether it be Urban Meyer, whether it be Ryan Day. So I have a hard time seeing that James Franklin is ahead of Ryan Day in this list. Ryan Day coming in at number 10. That's pretty good considering the fact that, okay, Ryan Day... Only have only has one full year as a head coach. But here's the problem I have: the only reason that you have Ryan Day, according to the CBS Sports Top Power Five, uh, Top 25 Power Five coaches, the only reason that they have Ryan, James Franklin above Ryan Day, who, by the way, Ryan Day is technically two and zero against uh, James Franklin. Right. So the fact that they have James Franklin ahead of him is laughable. Ryan Day is only behind James Franklin because he only has one year of head coaching uh, experience in college football. But here's the problem. You can't put James Franklin ahead of Ryan Day because oh he's only played he's only coached one year in the league, but then put Ryan Day ahead of Jim Harbaugh. Now, I'm not saying I want Jim Harbaugh over Ryan Day. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it is laughable. I'll take Harbaugh over James Franklin. And I do not think Harbaugh I mean, I think it's weird a list to say that, I mean, has Ryan Day done enough to, to move past Harbaugh? From a recruiting standpoint, yeah. From winning big game standpoint, yeah. Um and Ryan Day has proven to be able to elevate teams. Harbaugh elevated Michigan early, um, and he has not been able to sustain that. We won't learn that about Ryan Day until another year or two to see if he can keep it going. But from a recruiting standpoint, that cupboard is not even – I mean, you can't even see the, the bottom of the cupboard. I mean, that's how stacked the cupboard is moving forward. I have a problem with Ryan Day being ranked behind James Franklin, and I have a problem at Jim Harbaugh at number 12. I'll take, Dan, I'll take Harbaugh over Dan Mullen, and I'll take Harbaugh over James Franklin. I'm not sure why – James Franklin is in the top ten, and why he is ahead of Ryan Day to begin with. Well, James Franklin won what nine games in the SEC at Vanderbilt, back to back years. Um, I think the problem with James Franklin isn't the losses to Ohio State. You know, Ohio State has beaten better teams than the Penn State teams that he has coached. The problem with Penn State and the problem with James Franklin is. Not only do they lose the big game to Ohio State, but they end up losing another game. They end up losing that game to 
Michigan State. They end up losing the game to Minnesota. They end up losing a game to Michigan as well. If the only loss on your resume or or your on your schedule for the year is that one to Ohio State. And nine times out of ten, most of those games that they play Ohio State are nail biters and down to the wire or a crazy comeback by JT Barrett, by the way. Uh, you know, then as a Penn State fan, I would be able to live with that. Last but, time he was relevant, by the way. <laughs> but as the season goes on, they end up having that, that what-the-heck loss early in the season, then they got to scratch their way back up, and then you lose Ohio State. Or then you play Ohio State, and then you have a what-the-F loss later on in the season after you scrounge your way back to the top. So it's those other losses that I would be mad at if I was a Penn State fan. But you, I, think, I don't think you can overlook winning nine games at Vanderbilt. And I just, I just don't I can't. It. It's Vanderbilt. Now. Exactly. What? It's, it's Vanderbilt. They, but no one cares what you're doing at Vanderbilt. No one. Like, it's James Franklin. But, but it's Vanderbilt. But, it, but it, right. Like you said, it's Vanderbilt. And, it, and you can't give. We can't be the same. I can't be the same person that gives Pat Fitzgerald all the credit in the world for winning eight, nine games at Northwestern. I don't give him credit for that. Why? You went to a Big Ten championship game and you had four losses. You had no business being in the Big Ten. I mean, the fact that we praise coaches for losing four or five is hilarious to me. It's adorable. It's cute. It's so, oh, everyone gets a trophy. If you ain't doing what the elite coaches are doing, I don't get why you're doing what you're doing. Like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. You're going nowhere fast. (laughs) They're still playing the same. Like Brom at Purdue. Oh, man, look how good Brom's doing. Well, I mean, for one, you upset Ohio State. That's cute. That's great, but it's an upset. Uh, that's why I don't like lose my mind about upsets because it's not like you're better than them. It just means you had a better day than them that day. You're not better. That's what makes the game great. That's what, what? makes that's really? what makes it great. Five lost teams are great. No, and I said the game. I said no one, what no one cares it. about that outside of Purdue. No one, no one gave a rip about that outside of Purdue. I promise I you, Buckeye it, fans didn't care about it. I bet you every other every SEC fan loved it. Really? Are we still Appalachian State fans to this day? How big of a win was that for that program? I mean, we used it made them D one. We made it once a year to make fun of. Oh, I know the funding that it provided for them after, but I mean, like, how relevant have they been since? They were top twenty five team. Oh, last top twenty five team, man! Get the get the parade started. Get the parade started, dude! You don't just you start, have low you expectations. You don't, you don't just, start my problem, out. My problem is I that's why you, that's how you had to, that's why you have to build a program. That's why it's called build a program. That's why when programs go into a side of a mountain, it was like, what happened? We had all this. We used to bring in all this revenue. All these fans used to come to our game. Now we're losing five games a year, and now we can't get any funding. What's going on here? That's why it's called building a program. That 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 win over Michigan at the big house skyrocketed their program from an FCS school to a D1 school. And then it reminded everyone, oh, yeah, that still Appalachian State they're living I mean it's like when teams it's like when teams go deep in the NCAA tournament as Cinderella teams you're a Cinderella team for a reason you're not an adult sitting at the big boy table you're still sitting at the kids table the next year that that's all it is just cuz you beat Michigan this doesn't mean you arrived biggest, this from the biggest Wright State basketball homer in I'm the not country. a homer. I have never what, <laughs> name one homer thing I've said about Wright State. And you're, you're a huge Wright State, real, you're a huge a Wright real, State basketball fan, I'm right? I'm a very realistic so you, guy as far you, as where they are within be, the perception of college root, basketball. How can you root for the little guy I root in for basketball. them within their bubble. I root with them for where they are with the teams around them. I don't say, oh, man, they beat Milwaukee. Look out, Kentucky. They're on a roll. No, that's homerism. It's, oh, man, we went to the Sweet 16 five years ago. We could do anything that Kentucky can do. No. <laughs> That's homerism, and there's a lot of that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's how our program is built. You can't just one day wake up and say, you know what, we're going to be the best, and then turn around and be the best. You have, there's steps that you have to take. You have to build yourself up to those levels. You don't. What is, what's that above us? 
What? No, no. That, answer. What? Uh, I'm pointing up at the what? Mold. <laughs> the mold is on the what? The ceiling. And there's yes. a ceiling for a lot of teams. No. And a lot of Appalachian State, that's their ceiling. Okay. There's a lot of teams and there, that have and there, a ceiling. And there was a, t- there was a time that Florida State was an all-women's school, and they didn't have a football team, and that was in the 1960s. And then, boom, in the 90s, they're a powerhouse there. And they won national championships in the 90s. And they just won a national championship in 2013. Like, it's a process. You have to build your way up to it. You hear that, kids? You could be anything you want to be, according to Kev Nash. And oh, he's one of those. You, oh, you almost made anything. me say, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> no. You know, yes. No, 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 no. no you no. have to build the program. To build it to what? If it, if that's why a lot of coaches, and I've said this before, like when Archie Miller left UD, there's a reason he left. There's a reason he left. If he felt that he could have taken that program any higher, and again, I know I'm saying that coming off the year that they just had, but no one, and I mean no one, saw that coming, so I don't want to hear that. And anyways, why did he leave? Why did he leave? Probably more money. No. UD was going to make him the uh, top ten compensated coach in college basketball in the country. So no money, wasn't it? You tell me. You dialed in. You plugged in. You know all the cool guys down there. It's because of what I'm pointing at. Ceiling. There you go. It's a ceiling. We'll be back in a moment. More, I'm not going to let you even talk. Just go to break. Hit it like you did last time prematurely. Hit it. Hit it. Have you played Turtle Creek Golf Course yet? Formerly Greenville Country Club, Turtle Creek has local, state, and national recognition for excellence. They also have some world-class facilities, like the famous Thirsty Turtle Lounge, a full-service restaurant and bar with seating for up to 200 guests. Come try the Turtle's famous chicken wing. What song were you looking for? Big Booty Hope. Come with it. <laughs> uh, oh, well. Uh, Do you know who good. sings that song? Yes, hold on. I listened to it over the weekend. Uh, it's at Family Friend House. They started playing it, and I requested it. I didn't know who sang it. Hold up. Give me the first letter. Uh, the number two. <laughs> two. I know it. I just don't know it off the top of my head. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. No, I can't look it up. That's cheating. Just yeah. tell me who it is. Two Chains. Two chains? No. Yes. No. You gonna tell me? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> Shut the hell up. That, that, next time you say something about like country music or something, but you're gonna tell me. I don't even know that much about country. But I'm about to say, how about basketball? Like how about basketball? Oh goodness. Because what I was trying to say earlier, <laughs> about an hour ago. That, I don't care how good you look as a rookie. If a team can't build a championship team around you, you ain't it. So you know after. One rookie season, if you can build a team around somebody or not. Yeah, like people have been saying that about Jason Tatum at the Celtics forever, and there's a reason. Forever, he's been like in his fourth year. Not in his fourth year, he's like in year five. And either way, by now, you should know. Patrick Mahomes winning Super Bowls in year three. Lamar Jackson winning MVPs in year two. Zeke should have been MVP in year one. And if defensive players won MVPs, then Nick Bosa would be crowning an MVP title right now. That's my point. NFL guys... Stars right off the bat. They come in the uh, league. This is Jason Tatum's third year in the NBA. Damn it. <laughs> How does he feel like he's been around forever? Well, you know how it is when you go to Duke. He ain't leading the way, though. He has, yeah, you're right, he is. Because he came out of that, uh, he came out of the same draft as Ball. My bad on that. Better than him. I'd still take Ball over him. <laughs> As a stretch. I'm just trying so hard to be right against you because you're pissing me off. So. But Tatum, you ain't winning the championship with him as your best player on the team. That's my point. Like, And I'm not saying these guys are bad. Tatum is good. But like, when I'm talking about, like, look how many stars are just coming to the league right away for the NFL and making impacts. 
That's not happening. Tatum's not basketball. making an impact on the Celtics. No, he's not what? leading. You know what I mean? Like he's making an impact. No, he's not leading his team anywhere. Where you, was he leading? leading making an impact and leading to a championship are two different things. And that's my point. How many? That's a lot more. PNC make today the day on the Cincinnati Bell Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds pregame show brought to you by your Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Honda dealers. It's the Reds and the Tigers in the second of two preseason tune-ups before things get going for real on Friday. We're visiting now with Reds manager David Bell. David, had to be good to see the team swing the bats the way they did last night. I know it's an exhibition game and maybe the Tigers weren't necessarily running out some of their front-line pitchers, but still to see guys like Shogo Akiyama hit the ball with some authority, Winker hit one out of the ballpark, five home runs. I mean, that's, that, that's still refreshing regardless of when it is. We feel great about our offense. So last night was a big night, um, you know, to kind of have our a lineup of guys that are going to be playing a lot and, um, you know, a, a fixture in, in really our daily lineups each day and seeing them uh, compete together. And we believe in our offense. We really do. We, we did last year. We underperformed. We've added to it and uh, seeing it all come together last night, even though it's an exhibition game, was a, a big step for us. You know, it, was, it felt a little more real last night, and um, you know, I think there was a lot of a lot of success that came out of out of last night. We came back and won, and you know, we'll try to take that into tonight. And you know, guys are taking these exhibition games a little bit more serious than than they would even a spring training game at the end, just because they know how important they are. Um, you know, because we haven't um, been in an environment like this in in quite some time, and we open up in in two days. Nick Lodolo struggled, didn't get out of the second inning. Uh, what would you, or how did you assess him? Well, um, I'll tell you what I, I told him. I, I, you know, I didn't want to smile or laugh because that's a that's the worst thing you can ever see if you come out and you're you're upset. Or, but I, you know, I was in in a weird way like happy for him because um, I just you got to get those out of the way, and he's going to pitch for a long time here. Um, they're gonna, there's going to be a lot more outings like that that happen, but um, the great majority of his outings are going to be um, good ones, and um, he is just a extremely um, well-mannered, mature. Um, he learns from every experience. There's no doubt that he he will learn from last night's experience and be more prepared next time. I don't think he'll forget it um, because I think he's going to learn from it. But he'll definitely be able to move past it and become a better pitcher. And you know, it's just it's just normal. I told him that you know it happens to the to the best of them, and uh, and we believe he's going to be one of the best. We're visiting with Reds manager David Bell. We'll continue the conversation after this on the Reds Radio. Ruoff Mortgage is proud to be an official sponsor of the Cincinnati Reds. As a team of seasoned experts, Ruoff is ready to help you create a home ownership game plan to cover all your bases. As the number one mortgage lender in the Midwest, we are proud to welcome thousands of happy home buyers into the Ruoff family. Apply online today at Ruoff.com. Ruoff Mortgage is an Indiana Corporation licensed by the Indiana Department of Financial Institutions. This is not an offer of extension of credit or commitment to lend. All loans must satisfy company underwriting guidelines. Equal housing lender, NMLS number 141868. You already know RNL carriers for delivering the best customer service and dependability in LTL. But did you also know RNL carriers can manage your e-commerce, order fulfillment, and kidding needs through our state-of-the-art distribution centers located around the U.S. and overseas. Our global shipping specialists can guide you through the complexities of international shipping with our import, export, air, ocean, transborder, and customs brokerage services. 
Carriers. Trust RNL Carriers with all your logistics needs. RNL Carriers, we really do ship anything, anywhere, anytime. Visit us at RLC.com to learn more. Hi, this is Marty Brenneman. And this is Tom Brenneman. Dad, I know everyone's busy, but could you imagine being too busy to buckle your seatbelt? Not a chance, Tom. I wouldn't dream of being in the car without wearing mine. In fact, I wouldn't let any of our friends or family ride without a seatbelt. No problem there. Whatever vehicle you're in, always buckle your seatbelt and make sure that everyone riding with you is wearing theirs as well. We cannot say it enough. If you're not buckled up, what's holding you back? A service of the Ohio Department of Public Safety. The great thing about facts, they're proven. Like the fact that crude oil contains impurities. Or that base oil made from natural gas is 99.5% free of impurities. And the fact that Pennzoil is the first synthetic motor oil made from natural gas, not crude oil. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Ask for it at Jiffy Lube. We haven't taken a day off from dental insurance in over 45 years. That's decades of helping businesses like yours keep their employees healthy. Decades of building the strong national network of dentists we have today. For us, there are no distractions. We're all about dental. So no matter the size of your company, we have an easy-to-use plan that's right for your business. United Concordia Dental. For important disclosures and to see why employers rely on a partner who's dedicated to dental, visit discoverucd.com. Welcome back to the Reds pregame show brought to you by your Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky Honda dealers. We continue our uh, visit with manager David Bell and Jose De Leon gets the ball today. Is this a guy that uh, maybe Reds fans should familiarize themselves with a little bit? Do you see him possibly making an impact on this team at some point this year? We do. We see him as a, a sleeper. We were really happy to acquire him uh, from the Rays, and uh, you know, he's making improvements. He's always had the talent, the ability, has some elite pitches, and we're really working hard with him to, you know, kind of polish off his repertoire. Um, he has the ability, no doubt, and um, we're really happy to have him. So he has has a lot of depth for us on the on the um, starting side of things, and. You know, if he doesn't make this team right away, he's going to stay ready over at Prasco, and and, uh, we would have no hesitation to slot him in. So it'll be good to see him out there tonight. All right, David, thanks so much for the time. Good luck tonight against the Tigers. Okay, thank you, Tommy. Reds manager David Bell. We have the starting lineups and first pitch next on the Reds Radio. 